is dark and hell is hot. Ain't no sunshine when it's on. Only darkness every day. Ain't no sunshine when it's on. Cause when it's on, your niggas know to be gone every time. Cause we don't play. Turn out the lights, is what niggas be saying. Now you don't wanna fight, but y'all niggas be playing. Thinking it's alright, keep playing with that rope. And you gon' know tonight when you land in that hole. Dirt getting tossed in your grave. Now it's all over. Preacher said you was brave, but now it's all over. Preacher, one of the many, plenty, I done gave it to. Ain't no saving you. No matter how many tears. Welcome back, everybody, to Jeff versus the World Presents Hood Classics, and this is episode number 26 and like always i got my man shaheed here what's going on good sir not much just chilling hope everyone is enjoying themselves being safe yeah um so let's not jump right into the movie but i, I like what we did last week what did you watch this week good sir um i watched the rap battle between dj premier and rizza Saturday night <laughs> That's what I watched. That was fun. That was definitely fun. It was very fun. It was very fun. At one point, they got up to like 190,000 viewers. Um, and it was funny seeing some of the people that were, that pop up in the chat. Like, of course, you know, the Method Man and DJ Clue and all of those. But then you see Snoop Dogg pop up. You see Idris Elba pop up. You see Jamie Chung pop up. You can see Sarah J. Popperhead through once or twice. <laughs> Which I didn't so see. I, I, somehow I oh, missed I that one. Imagine you missing your, well, we'll leave it alone. But no. <laughs> it was it was, it was was funny because, one, they started late. Like, Rizzo got started about, he got there like 10, 15 minutes late. And then he had sound issues. People were making fun, like he was playing stuff through clock radio speakers, like Jizzle was talking about. Like that shit was sounding horrible. So he, so he plugged the mic in and fixed it. But the difference between this past one and the previous one was that this is like a battle. It's like two people that just like peers going down memory lane, telling the stories about why they were doing the beats, and they were fans of each other. Like yeah. you could tell, like they had a lot of mutual respect, and it felt like a celebration. And we had made jokes offline about how DJ Premier makes songs for video games, for video game soundtracks and Dr. Sebi supporters. <laughs> but you forget how deep DJ Premier's like category was. Like he's doing all his side stuff with Gangstar and you know Jerry the Damage areas like that. But also it was like yeah, he helped with Nas, he helped with Biggie Smalls, and he helped with Jay Z, all at the same time. Yeah, which I think. At the time, we were making jokes. It was like kind of like we weren't thinking about that because all I was thinking about, like, oh, boy, a lot of gangstar and a lot of boom bap. It's going to sound the same. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, shit, no, nah, I was wrong. I was dead ass wrong. I forgot about a lot of these songs. Like, I didn't forget. It's just kind of like it's easy to not remember where he had two separate careers. And it's like, you know, early stuff that he did and basically like changing New York music like throughout the 90s the whole thing was like if you want to be the best you had to have a primo beat yeah all that 
that was the same thing. What I laughed about was how so many people forgot. People were like, oh, this is going to be a blowout RZA kind of limit. I'm like, rap music sounds the way it does because of RZA. Kanye West brought it out. Like, he started doing that speed up beat because RZA did stuff with Wu-Tang forever. So think about all the stuff that Kanye and Just Blaze and Beatmakers did with Cameron. None of that would have came out without RZA. None of it. That's absolutely true. Think about think about how different, and it's kind of like I always say the reason why people have a limited idea of RZA is kind of like he mainly just did stuff for Wu Tang, you know. So you forget this, you know, he did a song for Kanye, he did a song for like Biggie Smalls, he's done music for other people. But like, if you weren't a Wu Tang fan, you didn't hear RZA stuff. And I've always said if RZA, if a third of his beats were like for like Nas or Jay Z. Or like other people, we wouldn't be having this conversation. Everybody would know how great this is. It's kind of like he he did every single album Wu Tang did from their first solo album to their second solo album. Everyone. Yeah, yeah. Look at the stuff he did '95, where it's like he did three classics and five stuff all in the same year. Yeah, and he didn't even drop a lot of his. And the funny thing is, you were making fun of like you know, Primo was doing like these you know, B sides and funny stuff like that. Rizzo was like, Nah, I'm dropping hits. Like I'm just bringing hits after hits after hits. And the funny thing is, it went the fact that it was overtime and he busts out Cream and Triumph is kind of like, and he didn't, and it seemed like a whole bunch of songs he didn't even use. Like, yeah, he didn't use Winter Wars. He didn't use Woo Wear. Like, he didn't use Trey Leches. Like, it's a lot of hits that he had that he didn't use. A lot of hits Primo had. Primo, yeah, same thing. They were just out there having fun. Yeah, this was the best battle by far. Um, like me and you said offline, I, if you can get Dre in there, I don't know who you would match him with, but I just, like I said, Diddy talking real heavy. <laughs> so, it would just be fun to watch. Who knows? Um, it, go ahead. Yeah, I, one thing I learned and it's about the difference between this week and last week and it's comparing like certain people is some people are timeless. Like when they come on, they yeah. come on. They don't feel dated. It's like you just remember this stuff. And last week we had two people that was like, this stuff is timeless. Some people aren't, some people like hot when it came out and it ain't hot now. Like Scott Storch was like, that's the same thing. Like, I can't even finish. songs I would play now, like I would actually look out to play. But most of the stuff was like it was hot when it came out. Ain't nobody searching for that stuff again. Yeah, I, like I said, I didn't even finish that battle. I was just like, I couldn't take, I couldn't take it no more. I was like, nah, this one ain't for me. Uh, one was because one was one was basically like you know, if you grew up in the South, that's what's pumping, and you could play that now if you are a Southern fan. The other one was like stuff was like it was hot when it came out. Wait a minute, the last talking about yeah, I'm gonna play Candy Shop. Like come on now, <laughs> like like let's let's really be honest with ourselves. Like nah, uh, those Prince of, like somebody said those Prince of Persia from Man You Beat are not hitting in twenty twenty. They weren't really hitting that much then. We just went with it because it was fifty cent. And they played them songs over and over and over again. And then white people like those music, so they put in their movies on the soundtrack because they think it's cute. Right. The. 
thing I got into this week, and I text you about it, was I watched The Social Network. And what did you say after I text you? <laughs> after I text you that, because I couldn't stop laughing after you text, uh, said that to you. Uh, you enjoy watching these movies with sociopaths. And you know what? I had to think about it for I was like, God, I just did watch like the Jobs movies last week, and then I watched The Social Network. But I don't know why I just wanted to watch it. Because it was, it was, I don't think I saw it since it came out. Well, since I had saw it on DVD or Blu-ray, whatever I saw it on. So I wanted to watch it because I wanted to, to see how it is now. And I got to say the performances still hold up. But I do understand. Because I never, I never understood the backlash about Jesse Eisenberg. And I was like, I don't get it. I really didn't get it. People was like, you, seriously? I was like, no. And maybe it's because I didn't watch a lot of his movies. I think I only watched maybe that in Zombieland. So he, they were just like, no, no. He's, you know, that character is who he always plays. He always plays that type of character. And this one was turned up to 100. So. Yeah, the backlash. Like if you've seen, the, I, like I've seen a lot of his movies. And the idea is if you've seen one of his movies, you know exactly how he's going to act in all of his movies. And it's, and it's kind of like fine, you know, if you're a slot receiver, be a slot receiver, be the best slot receiver you can be. But that can get annoying after a while. Like, he's very talented. That movie is... Here's the thing about that movie. I've watched it. I enjoyed it. I was never in a rush to watch it again. Mm. Like, okay. He's a genius and an asshole. We keep bigot... Like, haven't we learned enough about glorifying that type of behavior? We learned. I thought we learned our lesson by now, especially seeing how Facebook operates and all the shit. <laughs> What's the point now? I don't get on Facebook because my, my 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 crazy aunt keeps spreading memes, racist memes, and conspiracy memes, and they they steal my information and sell it, and they crook it, and they push it false news. Like, yeah, but beyond, like, I don't. We don't need to keep going to that well because every time it's like, oh, this is so interesting. Like, no. The first time you hear a story about that, it's interesting. That's the fiftieth time, because every single inventor has a type of story like that. He's he's intelligent, he's driven, he goes by any means necessary. He's socially awkward, and he's an asshole. Yeah, it, it was. It could, be, it could be the Steve Jobs story. It could be the Elon Musk story. It could be the Jesse Eisenberg story. I've heard enough stories of white assholes. Like I watch wrestling. I've heard the same thing from Vince. I mean, you hear about Vince McMahon. You, I hear about Vince McMahon all the time. And I would love to his, hear his story because some of his stuff sounds, you know, intriguing as hell. We'll probably never hear it because he dies, though. But beyond that, it's like, you've seen it once, you've seen them all. And the fact that you watch both Steve Jobs movies yeah. and then you went and watched this, you're going to get these jokes. Girl, I ain't, all the things on the TV, you couldn't find nothing else to watch. Well, I wanted, I told you about this. I wanted to watch it because I just never saw them. And I was like, I'm, I, I was on vacation. I said, I'm going to watch these movies. Last week was more of a thing because I was having a conversation with somebody at work and they were just like talking about it. And it was like, yeah, because, um, yeah, I thought they were like, I thought Justin Timberlake did good. And I was like, Justin Timberlake was in that movie? So I had to think, think. And I was like, yeah, he was in the movie. So I was like, man, let me revisit this. And I, because I think I like the, I, it's just the performances I think I enjoyed the most. The story you write is, you know, we've heard that story before about geniuses and stuff. And watching, I had to, a lot of stars in that movie. Yeah, a lot of future stars. In that movie. Future like, Spider Man. Yeah. Movie. Um, what's the guy? 
Andrew Garfield's in that movie. Mm-hmm. You know, Rooney Neymar pops up in that movie. Like there's a lot of feature stars in that movie. I enjoyed it when I watched. I always like to lie. Like if you would have invented Facebook, you would have invented Facebook. Like they get to laugh, but it's like it's funny where it ends where. He's selling a lawsuit with his friends he dicked over, and he's waiting for a friend request from a girl that goes yeah, to that was, the point where he started in the first place. It's like, it's, how about that? A it's, social network, you still ain't social. And I had to go, and I, I said, I wonder how he feels about this. And I was looking on YouTube trying to find videos. And he was like, you know, that's not true. That didn't happen. I have the same girlfriend I had before I started uh, Facebook or whatever. And supposedly that is the truth. But it's just funny where they took the movie, because, you know, you got to have a reason how they you know, painted it as if, well, he's doing this to basically, you know, show this girl, look what I've become, look what I've done. And I thought that was an interesting take on it. Like, I don't know how much of it's true. Now, now the, the whole dick and the friend over shit, I, you know, I guess that happened. I don't know. Who knows? Secure the bag. Secure <laughs> the bag at all, I just, all costs. But it was, do. it was some fucked up shit. That was some fucked up shit. And I was just like, how can a person like this have friends? And then you see you see the actual Mark Zuckerberg or, or whatever his name is. You see him on TV and you see him talking. It's like, yeah, I can see, I can see, you know, I can see well where uh, Jesse Eisenberg's uh he played him very well. I'll just say that. He he did a good job of playing him. But yeah, that's the only movie I really watched other than this. Um, before we start talking about our movie today, I'm gonna get everything out the way. If you want to follow me on social media, you can follow me at Jeff versus the world on Twitter and Facebook. You can follow me also on Instagram at the real Jeff versus the world. If you want to follow Shahid, uh, it's Philly Drugs, uh, Twitter or Instagram. Also, we have started a Patreon page, and yeah, so this is how the Patreon is gonna run right now. Uh, if you join our Patreon. Uh, simply, simply three dollars. I understand times is tough. If you don't have it, you don't have it. That's all good. But for three dollars, you get to choose two movies for the month, and we will review those movies on the Patreon side. Uh, once that's done, you'll be putting the uh, you know a ballot, a pool, or whatever you want to call it, and we're gonna pick a name. Maybe I might have my wife do it or somebody else do it other than me pick a name at the end of the year and you get a prize you get something nice just for you know for supporting us that's cool um the patreon will change as we go on and get more people as we get more people we'll start putting stuff just strictly on patreon so y'all guys can listen there um but for right now this is the way it's gonna be until yeah further notice so yeah you know Support. Check us out. Uh, yeah, that's it. Um, anything else you got to say? Because you already—you <laughs> was unnecessary. You put that day of the rock shit. We were mercenaries. <laughs> Come on, why don't you do these the two two of the longest movies of all time? I didn't expect that. I did not expect him to be like Godfather. What it to? I was like, holy shit! Wow. He been dropping. He been dropping hints for like months that he wanted us to do those movies. Why are you that surprised? And y'all know the Godfather. You know it's a classic. I know it's like you know they. It does happen in a hood, so doesn't it count? That's gonna be a lot. That, uh, oh, Los. That's Carlos got us with that one. That's gonna. Be, whew, I don't think I need to watch the like, first one. I might need to watch the second one though. I don't think I need like to watch three the first. Hours piece each. Yeah, we we gonna have to work out something with that one. Um, 
Yeah. Here you go. You want to <laughs> help out your fans. They ain't just my fans. They're your fans, too. Nah, they, no, they ain't your fans. They not my, I don't interact with them. They interact with you. Oh, really? It's, it's, Jeff versus, it's Jeff versus the world. And my name ain't versus the world. I, 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 but you are the co-host of Hood Classics. So you got fans, like it or not. I understand you're a mercenary. It's cool. Uh, nah, let's stop fucking around. But this week, let's talk about the movie. Uh, we watched something. And we watched DMX Exit Wounds, Steven Seagal, DMX uh, 2001. Watch Steven Seagal's Exit Wounds. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's, yeah. The, that's yeah. actually the honest way of describing it. I know they're both on the cover. Um, yeah, it came out 2001. And that threw me off, and that explains a lot because for some reason I always thought this came out after Cradle to the Grave, and this came out first. And somebody made a good point saying how they, mad they were that they wasted DMX. You had a movie of DMX in his prime, and you wasted that just to make Steven Seagal look good and look good again. I'm like, they absolutely right. Did he look good? They That's the question. I mean, considering he looked better than he looked for like a while. Like, keep in mind, Steven Seagal had made a whole bunch of clunkers before this that did not make any money. Oh, this was the second half. This made money. This is most certainly his second half of his career. Look, everything after Under Siege. That's fair. And you thought I was wrong. He had a 28-3 lead. And we saw how that ended up. The whole thing is, he never had. He was never up no twenty-eight-three. That's why I said it was an insult. He I thought, had, I, I for a minute there, Seagal had bangers. I'm talking about like he came away was a mark for death, hard to kill, and what was the third one? Okay, I'm glad you brought this up before we get this. How many Steven Seagal movies you would actually rewatch? Honestly, when I was younger, I used to. You count, you count this one if you want. No, 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 no. What I'm saying is when I was younger, yeah, I probably would have watched or rented or some a Steven Seagal. Now, I don't check for Steven Seagal movie. Even the old ones, I don't check for no more. All right, then. Then, then was he really hot? I mean, at that time, he was. No, I'm talking about for you. Oh, for me? I mean, when I was younger, yeah, he was. But when I got old, I'm like, no, this is no, because I, I – I started to pick up things and starting to see, you know, you, you start to see things once you start looking at film a little bit different. When you're younger, it's just like, oh, I just like all the action and fighting, and that's all I give a fuck about. But now it's just like, Here, no. Here's a dirty secret about Steven Seagal. <laughs> His movies only are highly rated because people have a whole bunch of nostalgia, and they don't look too deep in his stuff. Like, I can tell you what Steven Seagal movies I would rewatch. I would rewatch Mark for Death because it's just funny, him. Timothy Bigger versus the Jamaicans. <laughs> I'd rewatch. I rewatch both Under Siege movies, the first one and the second one. Even though the second one is way worse than the first one, um, and I'd rewatch Executive Decision, even though it's not really his movie. It's Kurt Russell's movie, but he's like a sizable role in it, and that's it. That is that is it. Out for Justice, Hard to Kill, Trash. <laughs> those, movies are, those movies are trash. Sorry, Pam Gray, sorry, Wolf, William Forsythe. Those movies are trash. The Glimmer Man, Jesse <laughs> Brown. Uh, 
What's the one when they out when he was in Alaska with Michael Caine with the black hair? No. And he busy preaching about the environment and trying to be the hero of the Native American. Like, no, that shit's trash. All that directed DVD stuff, I haven't watched any of those. Yeah, I haven't uh, watched him. Him Machete? Eh, that's all right. That's funny. Our stuff system, when now he's 60 pounds overweight, he barely fighting anymore. Nah, like, yeah. It used to be an argument over him and Van Damme. Van Damme won that. Oh, yeah. Once he... You know, it's funny because... <laughs> I just started to pick up order. Yeah, I think it happened in the second half because questionable. You could say he got a third half, and that's the over overweight to go. But in that second half, you just like you know what he does a lot of slap boxing. Like it's it's never a lot of movement, with the exception of this what we see on here with this wire shit. But um, it's always like up top stuff. And I'm not saying he can't fuck nobody up. It's just like nah. It was always that way. He was just skinnier when he was younger. How many times do you remember Steve Seagal throwing kicks? He threw more kicks and exit wounds than I can remember him throwing kicks in like 90% of his movies. And I will say this. If you, this is one of the few movies we actually see Steve Seagal get beat up. Like yeah, you, that is true. Steve Seagal was the master of like squash match, like Ultimate Warrior. Like he was not selling for shit in, in most of his movies. And this one, he's actually like getting hit. I was, I was probably like, wow. People actually hitting Steve Seagal, not just DMX, like jobbers actually getting a punch here and there. Not used to seeing that. Because he said, you watch any other Steven Seagal movie, including the one he did after this, and it's like, he ain't getting hit that much. Oh, and let's bring that up. I always thought this came out after Crater of the Grave. It didn't. This came out. This was a hit. You know, it revived Steven Seagal's career again. Then he makes Half Past Dead, which kills it. <laughs> like for good. And that actually comes out before Cradle for the Grave too. So, hmm. so it's like it's like we're gonna make a hip hop food movie, but not with the same director and not with you know, we're gonna have Ja Rule instead of DMX and Morris Chestnut as a villain and yeah. But anyway, but no. What? I've only seen this movie twice. Same. And the funny thing is I remember a lot of from this movie. Some stuff I forgot about. But I remember, like, you know, the the plot of the movie. I remember a whole bunch of bits and pieces. And I was like, for a movie I hadn't seen that much, that seemed to be, you know, it seemed like stuck in my head. But then rewatching, I'm like, what happened between Romeo Must Die and this? Thank you. Because this is the same damn director. And I'm like, and, was it- and what happened between this and Cradle to the Grave? Because you can watch Romeo Must Die and you can watch Crazy the Grey. Like, okay, it's the same guy, mm-hmm. same vibe, same level quality of movie. And then you watch this, it's like. He, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if this is a thing. You know, I think you were right. I think you had texted. It was Steven Seagal. It had to be. It, it just had to be because something was just off. He had a, he had a plethora of great actors. Like, you know, actors that we know and. Like, okay, you know, you got a young Isaiah Washington. You got, um, who was it, Malcolm J. White? You got, uh, who else? Who else? Uh, Eva Mendez. Oh, I'm not even going to get on the Eva Mendez thing. Um, Anthony Anderson. You got, you got Bill Hennessy. You got Bill Duke. Like, you got yeah. a lot of people carrying weight. Bruce McGill. And every time you see Bruce McGill, he always playing a cop. <laughs> yeah, he is. He's I think that's his thing. He's in Tom Cop. He's in, um, 
what's the move? Collateral. Like when he pops up, he's gonna be a cop or like in law enforcement. <sighs> this it had to be him because I even some of the scenes you watch. Well, first of all, the editing on this movie was just awful. Like, <laughs> I mean, I've seen worse, but for the, I'm sure this this is a big budget movie, and you would have thought the editing was have been a lot cleaner. And I'm looking at Romeo must die. Then you look at this is like, was he just like riding a success of Romeo must die and drinking and doing dope? And I don't know. It, this movie just insane. <sighs> it had a budget of 33 million. It made almost 80. Shout out. It made his money, but it's bad. They, yeah, they debuted number one in the box office. You know, surprise. I remember it's considered like a surprise hit. They made 50 million in the United States, 30 million worldwide. People were like surprised. It was like, oh, like Steve Skull wasn't hitting like that. And this movie, you know. Like you know was, what? It was kind of like, I remember it coming out. And I remember people being surprised how much money it made. I remember seeing it. And I was like, you know, it's cool. And it was good. It was like, you know, Steve Skull looked better than he looked in a long time. But... Yeah, let's talk about the whole thing of the MX. He, He's in the movie. He don't need to be in the movie. <laughs> like, that's the funny thing about how they do the story. Like, he's just a plot device. And he wasted. Like, he is, he pops, like, he pops in here and there. He does things. But it's kind of like, the only, the only reason he's in there is because of stuff with him and his brother in the movie. That's it. You can take that part out and put anybody else. Yeah. You got the exact same movie. It's the exact same movie. And that's why the movie doesn't work. Because you waste the MX. Because you want to, like, prop up Steven Seagal. Exactly. Exactly. I would have I would have been more if, okay, DMX was the, you know, played uh, uh, Boyd and somebody else played his character. Or, I don't know. It's just putting him with. Steven Seagal was a bad decision. And, you know, and he made money. And so then it probably wasn't. Oh, look how much money we made. We made. So, yeah, I guess it was cool then. But looking at it now, it's just it, the movie just, it just don't work. It's like, okay, you put him in here just to put him in here. You want, and I'm sure, again, this movie made a lot of movie because if I remember the marketing of this movie, it was almost marketed as a DMX co-starring Steven Seagal movie. And, I be, and, and hear me when I say this. I understand it was a Steven Seagal movie, and, but with the way they marketed, you would have thought, "Oh no, they, they're sharing, or you know, they're sharing the top billing or whatever." But nah, this is. I mean, it's a it's a thing. It's a lot of like DMX. They talk about him a lot. It's a lot of stuff about how who he is. They explain his character, but he still like he just darting in and out the movie. Like this whole thing is like he basically hip hop Mark Cuban. I was a tech. I was a tech dude. 999.com. I sold <laughs> right before the crunch. Made a billion dollars. Now I'm, you know, trying to film police corruption to get my brother out. And it's starring DMX. <laughs> like <laughs> what? Yo, this is like something Sylvester Stallone would do. Where it's like I want to show how people how smart I am. Like, uh, yeah, I'm smart. They gave DMX a ridiculous ass backstory. <laughs> where it's like it ain't nowhere in the world you thinking that it is not against DMX as an actor no he's fine movie. yeah he's fine and he shows it's just the whole idea of like 
Yeah, he was like this tech guy, and his street his street brothers out here slinging slinging at work. I absolutely don't believe. I'm telling you, he was the movie was not for that role wasn't for DMX or anything like that. The success of you know the two scenes he had in Romeo's Die, people responded to it. Oh, well, let's get him in this movie, and we you can be you know you can be um what was his name? I forgot. What was his name? Yeah, I forgot his damn name in the movie. Uh, but yeah, anyway, you could be that. You could be him in this movie, and it. I don't know the movie. I was thinking I was seeing something else, and this movie was a drag. It was boring to me. Um, <laughs> this is the first time I think I've been on this show, and I was just I've been bummed out about a movie, and I'm not even gonna talk about the wire work because I'm like, did he just watch? Crouching Tiger. Did Crouching Tiger come out before this? Because that wire work was insane. Me and you know, everybody knows Steven Seagal is not going <laughs> to fall on the ground like he breakdancing and kick somebody in the head. I'm like, what? Mm-hmm. And it looks like... Or jump over a car, or jump over a car <laughs> with a gun. <laughs> I'm like, no, no, no. Uh, as far as the like plot of the movie, when you look at the oh, you know ahead. the funny thing about that? Go Remember ahead. that clip I showed you? That's where he slowly hurt his knee at. The jumping over the car, or the little sidekick shit. No, jumping over the car. Oh boy. <laughs> I mean, looking like that, I'm surprised he lost his his whole damn groin. I uh. yeah. Uh, just start talking about it, but what's the movie about? Because no, 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 no. I got other things to talk about with the movie. Oh, you want to talk? The movie doesn't work. Can we talk Beyond about that part? It's like one. You don't really know, like the villain. You never. By the time you find out who the villain is, you don't care, and they don't have a strong villain. That's one. That's one issue. Two. It's too many charismatic people around there that you care more about than Steve Seagal. Right. Besides DMX. Michael Jai White and Jill Hennessy. I could and Isaiah and Isaiah Washington. To be perfectly honest. Hey, all more you know. I care more about what they were doing. Like, that was a real shit hole. So I did the best I can. They always hate no cops. How they try to fight the you know fight the like no. Stop whispering sweet nothings in my ear. And guess what? <laughs> Steven Skull started doing that under siege, and he never stopped. Doing that. I'm like. That's when that started. Well, I, he wasn't always like that. Thank he you. Because I was trying to figure out when I was sitting here, I was uh, asking somebody because I was on the phone with somebody while I was watching. I was like, do you remember Steven Seagal whispering a lot? He said, no, he always whispered. I said, no, he didn't. I said, there's no way. He said, yeah, yeah, he did. I said, no, I'm telling you, he never whispered. <laughs> it is like really bad. He sounds like you ever heard Robert Gibson cut a promo. Remember when Robert Gibson used to get on the mic? It, it was kind of like that. He's a little raspy, a little low, but I'm always I got turn my TV up to a damn near 55 just to hear what he's saying. I'm like, no, this is insane. Subtitles, subtitles, subtitles are your friend. Yeah. He didn't always. You watch his old movies, he didn't whisper. Under Siege <laughs> is when he started. And he kept doing it. Like, no. Watch Under Siege, and especially watch Under Siege 2. Like, he's real bad. Like, he got his hand shot. <laughs> he got shot. <laughs> After he got and more just like oh man you got shot and like brushing off but no that's one of the issues um two 
we're going to get to Eva Mendez. We're going to have our own segment. But that's definitely noticeable. And it's real noticeable now. Like, I must have forgot about the first time. Like, yeah, I know what she sounds like. Mm-hmm. It might have worked if you hadn't heard her before, so you don't know. And then by the time you watch the other stuff, you don't think about it. But reading about it, knowing what she sounds like, and then hearing it, I'm like, why did I sound like Jessica Alba? Right. Like, who's, like, whose voice is that? I'm like, it, it is very noticeable. And the fact that she said, like, you know, they said I wasn't intelligent enough in a Steven Seagal movie. And I'm inviting my family to see this. And, like, ooh. Yeah, that must have Eva no Mendez. She wanted to quit Hollywood. Eva, treat her like trash. Eva Mendez didn't sound intelligent enough. What the fuck? Yeah, I, I could I'll be I could be ready to be out the game too, because that's just crazy. You do all that work. And like I said, you bring your family and everybody out to the premiere and that's not you, baby. Whose voice is that? And you gotta sit there and try to explain here, that shit. And here's the biggest issue. Let me jump the movie. We already talked about Anthony Anderson. Now you got Anthony Anderson and Tom Arnold in the same movie doing the same Way too much stick. Like, okay. good God. I'm going to ask you something. I'm Who beating. thought, and not only that, somebody thought it was a good enough idea that they did it again in Cradle to the Grave. I forgot Anthony Anderson was in this movie. And I'm surprised I forgot because he is in this movie. He's in this movie a lot. Oh, like, he's his right hand man. Kevin Hart. That's been song to Kevin Hart. Kevin Hart's a comedian. Like, he's actually funny to certain people. Yeah, Anthony Anderson is more of a. He's an actor. Anthony Anderson is a comedian. He's an actor that's like, be a fat black nigga. Basically, like, do your thing. Go out, just coon it up. Why don't you grin and shuffle? People like that. It's like they wind him up like a dial and just set him out there to act quote unquote black for three minutes. Let me ask you something. Keep doing that over and over and over again. Why we keep seeing Anthony Anderson (laughs) in all these scenes in these movies? Cause I, you know what I'm, you know what I'm starting to feel like. That fucking director loved him. He got a kick out of him. He must have really thought he was funny. And I go out there and do what you did in the last movie. <laughs> and like you say, he just wind him up and he just go out there. All right, I go do what I did last movie. But you know what? I I would think it was just that director. But then he does the same thing. And transform. He do a barbershop. Well, barbershop, I'm going to tell you why I can I can deal with it in a barbershop. Maybe it's because I know that type of character that comes to a barbershop. We all do. If you go to a black barbershop, if you've ever been to a black barbershop, you know that type of person that coming in is always scamming or got something going on. So that one didn't bother me. That fit. But when you start stacking it on top of the movies he's done, it's, the, it's pretty much the same character. So I can see where that's... You know, it's a lot, and Transformers just really took it over the fucking top. And that and that you, you you keep bringing up Transformers, hmm? yeah, because hey, that's the one <laughs> that 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 is the oh, one that oh, that's the one. Well, Not this one. Well, I mean now because you know I you know I peep game and I started seeing it, but I remember seeing Transformers. I remember being in the movie theater, being legit pissed off, and I was just like, I. He makes me want to leave this movie. He made me just want to not leave can, out this movie. Not Kangaroo Jack. Not that one. <laughs> uh, and it's funny when he was doing all this stuff, and then, because you know what's going to be hilarious? He did Departed and Hustle and Flow before he did Transformers. 
So imagine seeing those movies like, oh, he got range. You know, he can actually act. He can actually do stuff. And then you see Transformers. It's like, oh. So I guess it's like, hey, you got to pay the bill somehow. Yeah. But, but no, those. And we saw a time about Anthony Anderson. Tom Arnold ain't better. That's hold on. It's just a different type of cool. It's just a different type of cool. That's why I had to ask you. I'm gonna seriously ask you this because I need. And you know what? You may be the wrong person to ask because you probably don't even have an answer. What the fuck is funny about Tom Arnold? I never got it. Tom Arnold is funny in small doses. True Lies. He's awesome in True Lies. Cause it's the same thing, but toned down. He like when it says humor. But it's not all humor. Where it's like some heart to it, and it's like some serious things. It works. When it's like humor, is like sixty percent of the character, but enough serious stuff to tone it out. When it's just all comedy, that shit don't work. And that's the problem with most movies. Tom Arnold's like it's when it's all comedy, it's just overbearing and obnoxious. It's like a worse version of Jack Black. Like it's a way to have that type of manic comic energy, but you got to be real talented. Tom Arnold isn't a natural comedian. I always he's just playing, you know, the, he's just playing spazzy middle-aged white guy. Like, eh, I always older. I'm like, they get older after a while. I found him sketchy in in, in movies with with black people. I just did. I just I, the way you say you felt about uh, Donald Glover. I just was like, is he like laughing at us while he's in this? I'm always like just looking at him like, because. Yeah, true. True lies. I did laugh. Most of most of the time, they just laughing at us. Yeah, because I'm just like nearly all, nearly all of them. He getting a check to be, you know, in this like urban movie, but I'm not sure if he's. And then I just remember how he around that time he was like so in somewhat the culture, like on hip hop shows and all this stuff. And I'm just like, uh, okay, I guess. Yeah, you probably look at him. You probably look at him the same way you look at Michael Rappaport. The only difference is you probably wouldn't think about that much if Tom Arnold was skinny. Well. That's what it is. Like, yeah, you see a fat guy, it's like, oh, then it definitely seems fake. Like, you seen like Drew Carey doing it. Michael Rappaport was doing the exact same thing. Oh, he show up on your MTV rap. <laughs> yeah. Like, listen to him true. now. And it's kind of like, yeah, he was doing that for the long. We just give him a slide like he gave a lot of people a slide. Mm-hmm. Because we used to like when non-black people liked our stuff. We used to validate us. And that was before we realized we don't need that shit. So, yeah, both of them in this movie, it's just, it's just a lot. It's a whole lot. But let's get into this damn movie. What is the premise of the movie? Um, Steven Seagal playing Detroit cop that gets real, like one of those I, you know, play fast, play loose with the rules type thing that gets, you know, gets punished for saving the vice president against the orders of Secret Service, gets transported to this shitty precinct and uncovers a criminal conspiracy involving cops. And also DMX is doing stuff on the side, too. Okay. That's the story. Let's, let's, before we even jump into the movie, this motherfucker saved the vice president and got in trouble. That's amazing. Broke the rules. Oh, yeah. He wasn't. Well, yeah. Uh, they said, and here's the thing. Okay. We might as well get a whole part. People like, he getting punched for doing the right thing. Yeah, but like I said, he got lucky. 
they specifically did not want cops on that bridge, so they knew whoever was on that bridge that wasn't us were the enemies. Him being there is an extra complication in the situation where we put it to the vice president that puts us at risk because we don't know who he is. It might be some other madman out there. <laughs> he, he not, think about it. He not riding a police vehicle. They told all the cops to stay off the bridge, and then all of a sudden, it's a cop on there anyway. I don't know who this is. And it's kind of like you messing up SOP just to be a hero. C- congratulations, it works. You, you lucked out into something working. You don't to do it in the first place. So I get, I get all that. But actually, he, okay. All right. Uh, yeah. Okay. I mean, you know, it's just funny how in this movie they like, it's, you know, in certain movies they'd be like, oh, you know, you fucked up, but you did a good job. This one was just like, nah, man, you fucked up. You out of here. So, yeah. I guess it was a little Apparently different. Because the they are, that's they didn't like him. Like, he was an asshole. Like, the movie starts like, oh, this shit again. It's like, oh, I'm going to talk to him. And keep in mind, you got a movie with Bruce McGill's, like, you know, the tough but fair cop. And you got Bill Duke that's just like, the tough and hard ass cop. Like I'll be fair at the end of the movie, but I don't like your white ass. Like Bill, you know, we see enough black like you know when Bill Duke wanna be serious, he can be real serious. And this is still big Bill Duke. Yeah. He got skinny. So it's a whole lot of weight and gravitas here and he'll like stare you down. So anyway, they you know, Vice President's talking about gun reform and taking guns off the street and gun violence. Stevens Gall shows up orange boy late. Just Driving through late breaking. Um, he just parked wherever he wants to park, breaking roadblock. Oh, he's the man. Badge. He's the man. What's that? He's the man. He can do what the fuck he want to do. Everybody on time, he coming to the end. Mm-hmm. And he and at first he wanted to show us he's a good cop. He knows one of the um the the patrolmen is gonna be for support, like escort for the vice president has an earring. Well, that's weird. You don't see a cop. You don't see a white cop wearing an earring in that job. So he's looking at that. And then they're out there having a speech. Then they're about to leave. Then he's eyeballing, you know, it's Bruce Miguel. Bill Duke talk. Basically talk about him like, yeah, you know, he's an asshole and blah, 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 blah. And it's like, oh, you know, we'll go ahead and take care of it later. So then they're about to leave. And, you know, hero cop always knows all the details. So he knows they take, like, some cylindrical discs. In the pocket, like, and that's, I wonder what's going on. So, anyway, Vice President's leaving, and it's a setup. Two of the patrolmen work for this militia. They shoot the other cops. They put the bombs on the, on the truck. An ice cream truck is there with a Chinese dude. He starts gunning some of the people down. A helicopter shows up out of nowhere. Have a nice like, day. This militia was well funded. Oh, it absolutely was. And I'm mad at the president, uh, vice president for seeing a damn helicopter say, have a nice day and come damn near, what, 10 feet, 20 feet from your uh, van. And you just smiling like, what's up with this guy? Yeah. Yeah, because he's like one, because he don't know any better. Oh, I can tell. Obviously, because, yeah, so it's like, oh, it's weird. And it is weird. But it's kind of like under normal circumstances. They want to be anywhere in the fly zone. Ain't nowhere in the world that helicopter like that part. Okay, that's the part where it's like you don't if you don't know enough about protocol, you just like suspend disbelief to see that. And real life, ain't no helicopters flying anywhere close to the vice president. Ain't supposed to be there. You know, just accidentally fly. 
in that airspace. Ain't, ain't no way in the world. None. But that's fine. Anyway, that happened. It's a setup. And then who's here to save the day? Orm Boy. Because he, you know, he knew something was happening. He's shooting folks. He, he commandeers the ice cream truck. But wait. More full. They tell him, get off the bridge. Wait, it's wait. to be Secret Service owned. Time out. So when he took the ice cream truck, you know I'm going to ask you, right? Why the fuck did he put on the ice cream truck man's hat? <laughs> so the bad guys was bad guys would know what's up. <laughs> they know it's a Chinese guy, right? You telling me, oh, Steven. No, they don't see all they, okay, by the time you get up close, they go, no. But from a distance, you see the ice cream truck, you see the hat, it's like, oh, that's home. <laughs> from a hundred yards away, you're not looking, it's a gunfight. By, by the time you're up close, it's too late to notice anyway. So I get that too. Why he have enough time to do all that? <laughs> Bullshitting around? is another story. That's Neither here nor there. So anyway, he go in there. He saves the day. They about to get the jump on the vice president. So it's like he throws the vice president in the water. She's the last two people. He didn't have to shoot. He, the funny thing was, he theoretically did the right thing, but his actions afterwards proved he didn't have to do that. So the vice president's embarrassed, and it's like you know, all washed up. He saved the day, and they are pissed. His superiors are pissed. Some about what the hell are you doing? This is the first time you've moved. He's like, I saved the, I saved the man's life. <laughs> and this is the I'm, things I get. I'm out. This is the things I get out here. I'm out here busting my ass. And you people in the office and pushing things. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, oh, God. It's going to be one of those people. It's going to be a movie. That he friend. <laughs> and he was getting this whole, like, that's, that's what he'd get for being anti-gunfight. Or his voice seemed like he was an all lives matter character. Oh, yeah, like but, yeah. Kind of like that vibe was, was was very present in this movie. Absolutely. Uh, so anyway, his homie used to kill us like you know, you my friend, I also your boss. This is the first time this happened. I can't do anything to protect you, so you gotta got fight the bullet. Like if they try to fire you, well, at least I saved your job. Bill so, Duke, Bill Duke is tight. Anyway, before he go out, you gotta hear Bill Duke. You know, Bill Duke is a mess. Like, you know, I'm tired of your shit. <laughs> so, like every time you keep coming to my office, I try to get rid of your white ass. And you like a cockroach. You keep running to the union. You come back. Not this time. But you gonna suffer. You notice he won't. He's gonna fire you. Have your ass suffer. You notice he won't uh, back talking Bill Duke. Bill Duke is like, nah, you ain't upstaging me in this scene. You're going to sit there and just take this shit. No witty comeback or nothing like that. Yeah, talking about where I'm sending you. Talking about, oh, you think I'm going to send you to Vietnam? Like, nah, I'm war zone. Where you're not going to go. So, go to the 15th. The worst priest in Detroit, which is saying a lot. Because this one is Detroit. It don't look like Detroit. Was supposed to be Detroit. Yeah, I thought that too. It's in Canada because you save money filming in Canada, but you know it's gonna be Detroit. And you wanna make sure it's the worst? Play a bunch of rap music. <laughs> yeah, because as uh, soon as he hit the door, I'm like, oh, this is a uh, urban, very urban uh, precinct. Yeah, they, they out here beating out suspects, and anything like that. And Orin Boyd is like, what is this shit? This is like a 
the inmates running the south. That's what happens to put niggas in charge. Like, he got this look on his face. Like, this monkey shit going on. <laughs> so anyway, he gets in there. He, he sees a lady on the video. I'm looking for the commander's office. Like, I'm looking for the ringleader of the circus. He's like, oh, okay. Follow me. You know, played by Joe Hennessy. Go ahead, say what you're going to say. Oh, I'm, all I got to say is the the, the sexual, uh, they had some sexual tension that just never was resolved or anything. You could tell it was something there as far as the characters go. And it was just like, are they supposed to be kind of like, in, you know, liking each other or vibing with each other? Because they didn't really go nowhere with it. I mean, he was pushing it so they get to the office. You realize that's the commanding officer, Annette McCauley. Former Channel Affairs, you know, former Channel Affairs officer, now running the 15th. Like, yeah, I heard about you. I heard about your bullshit. <laughs> I ain't tolerating it here. If you ever got any issues, you come to me. But don't be doing that cowboy shit. I'm like. You let it quite clear. Like, that shit you was doing back at your mom's house, I'm your stepdad. Like, don't do this. Like, don't do this shit over here. I don't play that. That's some bullshit. Because I would have been like, look, I'm walking into this. You got motherfuckers getting their ass beaten, all types of shit. Man, fuck you. Because <laughs> he, hey, it was a fucking circus when he walked in there. You got hookers walking around. I was like, what is going on? Like some old Beverly Hills cop shit. <laughs> uh, yeah, because that's just how it go. But it's kind of like, yeah, I, that's, I can handle my shit. That's how we do things. I don't want just stuff to be done. But just, mm-hmm. And just to prove it, you can go to like anger management. And it's when we first start getting Tom Arnold. You know, Marion Roseanne really, he got hooked up Marion Roseanne. That, that was a, that was like a golden ticket. I mean, I guess. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's true, but it's like, you also married to Roseanne though. Yeah. But see that that always makes me look at him side eye too because I'm like, you know who the fucking what she is, like this. But you still gotta have talent. Yeah, I'm not saying he's not talented. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying you know he got a he got doors open for him that probably wouldn't have got open for him. You know, you know, maybe later on in his career. Here's the thing in life: most people get on because they have to be the right place at the right time, and then once they get there, they have talent. Because look at Harrison Ford. Super talented? Yes. Earned it? Yes. How you get on? He's a carpenter. Happened to, happen to be a carpenter at the White House. Oh. This George Lucas? Oh. You look like the act. Want to act? And there we go. He out there building the fence. Thinking he's on solo. Yeah. Like sometimes, sometimes shit just happens. Everybody can't be Sylvester Stallone like I was almost homeless. And I kept hustling, so I one day sold this script and was like, I'm going to be Rocky. Like, that whole pull yourself up on the bootstraps. You can do that all day long till your boots fall apart. It's a lot of times it's right place, right time. Because, I mean, times we talk about, like, this has happened here, that's happened there. Yeah, like, did Tom Arnold have help getting there? Hell yeah. But once he got there, he, he maximized it. There's a whole lot, there's a whole lot of people get there. I think- and then they just fumble the bag. I think more. I think more was me. I just don't find him funny. Like True Lies, you yeah, he did. He had some funny things in True Lies, from what I remember. But after that, it's just like I don't like. I don't. It's cool if you like him or you know a fan of his or whatever. But I always you know I just still look at him side eye. 
there is acquired taste. Yeah, and that's true. It's a def- it's a lot of definitely racial undertones and what we find funny or not, because it's kind of like what I have learned is when it's a comedian or comedy that's not your race, it has to be a certain tone for it to be funny to you if you didn't grow up that way. Because otherwise, you're going to either like be like, this ain't funny, or you got to roll your eyes. Like, you got to be like, I use an example. The office works where it's like universally funny for everybody. Like, those are the type of jokes that hit. Right. Friends is funny if you come from a certain background. You know. And if, but if you don't, it's not. And same thing like living single. If you're a certain background, you're going to be like, I don't understand this. Just how it is. It's funny how that's how that's how comedy works sometimes. It's funny how living single was first, but yeah, go ahead. (laughs) But it's like, oh, they need to do a show like Friends, but with black people. Yeah, David Schwimmer got David Schwimmer got dragged for saying that. Yeah, but anyway, back to this movie. They're doing anger management. He's saying like this local talk show host that's like you know got anger issues, and he's telling all the stuff he want to do. It's like I just want my time. Cause they cut me off and traffic, but like typical angry white guy stuff. Steve's like, I ain't got no time for this. He's like, I'm just here. I'm supposed to be here. Tries to get out of his chair. They got him in this, this sixth grade classroom chair. Emma for breaks the damn desk trying to get out. Slide out. Oh, boy. yeah, he was doing Slide too much. <laughs> he was definitely doing too much. I got to break it to get out of here. Ah, I'm so angry. Damn. And I don't know if it's supposed to show how strong he was that he broke this chair or how angry he was that he couldn't no. slide out the chair. You don't know what that was. They look at him like he a mad man. That absolutely was a bit. I'm sure he came to the director. Hey, you know what would be funny if I try to get out the chair and stand up and just having trouble with it and then I just break it with all my strength. <laughs> I put money on it. Cause that was it was just insane. I was like, "What is happening right now?" Like I would expect that like Tom Arnold to do something like that, not Steven Seagal. Like, what is happening right now? Yeah, so that happens. Just go out of here. He leaves, and then we start one of the first of this Matrix fight scenes. Cause there's a whole bunch of thugs at the truck, and kudos where it's like a multiracial gang of criminals. Cause it normally don't work that way. Oh yeah, they were all in the same gang. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like oh, it's like they must have went to the, like the diehard menu to like create your own gang. As far as like diversity, because normally a gang is like it's not diverse. It's like it's the homies. We all tend to look at like so they trying to boost this truck. It must be a brand new truck. Oh, it is a brand new truck because this car got destroyed during the um the bridge fight. Yeah, plus it got the uh, like the sticker on the window. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was wondering like, yeah, it's a stick on the window. Like, oh yeah, they had to get a new truck. They're like, oh, let me show you how to, let me show you how to do it. Magic button right there. Hit the alarm key. Tom Arnold comes out here. It's like, you know, what's going on? He's like, you need to go back. You need to go back. I got this. Homie pulls the gun. It's like, oh, I don't know him. No, I, I don't know why he came in here. Don't mess up the class. So, Steve's the goal. Get to do what he do best. Beating people up with other people while barely moving. Oh boy, it's it's great Kylie offense. <laughs> the 
Dixie. I swear. You know what Cedar Cigar quite like? Dusty Rose. That's exactly Yeah, yeah, I can see that. I can see it. But he don't he don't move, he stays in like a circle. He does a lot of movement in that circle. Well, you know it looks like compact. Like he's pushing people so they get hit by other people and he just moving out the way and just hits here and there. The same thing Steve Cigar always always did. I heard it. I I I heard as he got older. Um or I read. I can't even know if I heard or read. But basically, he that's him. Like, if they try to get him to do, like, a lot of movement, no, 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 no. I'm going to be right here, and we can do it. Like, he will not do a lot of movement. Wow, well, work hard when you can work smart. <laughs> yeah, man. He's going to work like an old school. It's like, nah. <laughs> Greg Valentine ass. Let's work a body part. Like, slow it down. Let's do more. That man out there, like Jake Roberts. So he's doing the moves. He pushed one dude in the way so you get hit by somebody else swinging a bat. I'm like, Steve Seagal was hurting these folks. He actually kicked somebody in the knee. I'm like, oh, Steve Seagal only really didn't kick that much. I'm like, he must be throwing limber. And then it come the scene that I showed you. After he disabled dude, hit him in the forehead with the butt of a knife. Some dude that point blank range with a gun. Now keep in mind, when this happened in the Matrix, the Trinity did with the agent, the agent got shot. Steven Seagal, nah, he ain't no agent. He does some Eddie Gordo shit. He does a dodge, falls almost parallel to the ground, puts his, like, kicks him in the head, puts his hand down on a breakdance move, and bounces right back up. You know what? He absolutely did. If you ever play Street Fighter uh, and you use DJ, he absolutely did one of DJ's kicks. Some black DJ. If you duck and hit roundhouse, if you duck and hit like roundhouse, that's DJ's kick right there. And I'm just watching this. I'm like, okay. We they just directed. No, we've seen Steven Seagal, right? I know Steven Seagal got in shape. He lost some weight like that. Steven Seagal was never doing that in his prime. Nowhere close to that. And now all of a sudden, this Detroit cop <laughs> is Nico. Amazing, <laughs> he got. Hey, we didn't talk about that. How's he, how's he this excellent fighter? He's a cop. Okay. Okay. I looked it up real quick. Crouching Tiger came out in 2000. This came out in 2001. This is absolutely, he saw that movie and was like, I'm going to incorporate wires into this movie. And I, you're exactly right. Where did he go to learn this? Okay, you got hands. But that, that's some wonky shit you learned from a grandmaster or something. Where the hell you been? And the thing is, all the other Cesar Gaul movies has a martial arts background. Like, you know, I studied the Cheeto or I was in the CIA, like it just like he learned his skills somewhere and then incorporated to like armed forces. All his movies actually talk about that. Some of them actually show him learn it. This one, like, nah, I just got hands. <laughs> like even Lisa Weapon, they like, yeah, you know, Riggs used to be in the military. Yeah. Like, he know how to fight. You see Murtaugh throwing spin kick. <laughs> oh shit. You would see John McClane hit people with German suplexes. He fought like a cop. He's a cop. And see, and that's and that's that's 
I'm not gonna say that, but it's kind of is a flawed movie because this is like, okay, so how did he know this? Are you doing this just because it's Steven Seagal? That's clearly why. It's Steven Seagal. Oh, so he's gonna do martial arts? We, no, no explanation needed. No, this is a movie. Yeah, this is orange. Done. They come out there. They clap like, oh, he's a bad guy. He's up the bad guy. He's a cop. He gets to do that all the time. That's so cool. I'm like, oh, Detroit would be a place where Batman would thrive. <laughs> We're not doing that. Keep keep the movie going. We're not doing Batman. Oh no, because the funny thing is, they make a big point saying we need to curb. Like, there's too many citizens thinking that all we do is beat up people. And it's too many criminals who all feel like they just choir boys. You're trying to find a vibe, like, you know, fight crime, but don't be beating the hell out of each other. Like, that's the underlying theme in the movie. It's like, we can't be doing, we can't be having these Roddy Kings out here. We looking bad. And the cops like, whatever. <laughs> so, this, all this, keep in mind. It's 17 minutes in until we finally see DMX. <laughs> 17 minutes. Like, we've seen all, and keep them all super late, man. That's not long. Like, we've seen Orange Boy have four scenes already, five scenes if you talk to me, get there. Because he's already the vice president. He gets reamed out, transferred to a different precinct. He has a meeting with his new commanding officer. He goes to anger management, and then he had a fight scene. So all this stuff is happening, and now we finally get to see DMX. Finally, showing up with drag on. Yeah. Uh, um, people probably, if you ain't, if you're not over the age of like 32, 33, you're like, ooh, it's drag on. Oh boy. Yeah, he was a rough rider member. Um, he was he had flow. He can he can he can flow. He had flow. He had hit a hit here and there. He's one of those it's back in the day where it's like you're the right place, right time. Like the homie get a hookup. Yeah, you get put on. Sometimes and sometimes it worked like Chingy. Sometimes it worked like Swift Star and usually with somewhere in between. But you know, if you're lucky you Murphy Lear drag on. You you have a nice song, your homie on there, you can make some money. That was that's how it was, like, this late 90s, early 2000s, where it was, like, everybody was on. Everybody was, yeah. like, everybody. Because what was it? You got on and you made a crew You made a crew album. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's about to be a crew hit, and they make a crew album. Yeah. Like, it's just, it's just funny to think about how that happened. Like, that shit don't happen now. God damn, yo. So, not, like, not, like it, not like it did then. Damn, I just, that's crazy because the dude, like, I'm thinking about Nelly, St. Lunatics, DMX, Rough Riders, uh, Buster, Flip Mode. Yeah, so yeah. It was like Attitude Era 90s, like gang rap. Everybody had a gang. So anyway, in there, his, what's his fake name? His first name, Latrell Walker. There you go, Latrell Walker. That's not his real name, it's a fake name in there. So you first see him showing up at the precinct and he out here driving slick with a sports car, parking whatever. And it's funny when you see DMX dress. Like I said, DMX was dressing like you know. The what's my name the what's my name video shoot. <laughs> like some of the outfits he had. So he had you know, he had on a what a turtleneck, a turtleneck sweater and some slacks. 
Uh, I can't remember. He was real good like this sweater. You know, no matter like like if it wasn't a suit on, if it wasn't like a you know a tank top, it was a, you know it was a turtleneck sweater. Doing in there, drag on his brothers like y'all get me out of here, man. Look at me, I'm having electric shit. You get me out. Like I'm trying to. He's like, nah, ain't no trying to get me out. And you see the face, DMX face is kind of like you know his brother in there. He can't do nothing with it. And it's like DMX is doing a lot of acting with his face. And it's like, yeah. okay, you can see why people, if you want to know the appeal of DMX, you can actually get a lot about watching this movie. Because DMX was the sensitive thug yeah. that liked God, but was tortured. He's, um, he is very good with his facials as far as acting. I mean, he's just good at acting in general because this is, this isn't the same DMX you saw in belly or even the same one that you saw in Romeo must die. He's playing, you know, it's DMX, but he's playing another type of a character. Like he's, he's playing a layered sensitive character. Like a lot of stuff going on. He's trying yeah. to get his brother out and you know, his, his, his brother, like, you know, you don't get me out of here. I'm going to be dead. This is, you know, and it's funny where you can see them look like brothers. It's something with DMX and Dragon, because the same thing in Cradle of the Grave. I don't know, because they look, they look a certain way. I thought they were cousins. Like, but close enough where it's like, they look like family, or how they interact. I always thought they were cousins. Nah, I, I didn't know. You could definitely see it. So, so that's established. And then, we... What scene you want to talk about? Anthony Anderson? Oh, my God. Yeah. The car dealership scene. I wanted to forward it so bad. I was just like, oh. but my wife was right there. I was like, oh, I got to grind this one out, Don. And it was, it felt like it was an extended scene. <laughs> like, it wouldn't it? It felt like 25. It's amazing how many movies had these type of things where black people buy cars and they get patronized either by a white guy who think they're broke and try to act hip, or a black guy from that went to a white school is from like England. It's like, oh, these are my these are my people. I can handle this with my homies. And it's like it's just something where that's just a thing. And because even Fast and Furious Six does it. Yeah, and and and, and you know rock, what? With the rock and ludicrous. It was the same thing. It was just uncomfortable. Like, all right, okay, we get it. Stop. Out here, and it don't help after the ends out here. Cool, and my dog, this shit banging. Just everything out here. All my ears heard was nigga, 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 nigga. That's all I heard. Lee out here just doing his stick, being all loud. This is 480 horsepower. Well, actually, it's 456 cylinder. Yeah, man, whatever. Like, yeah, whatever. He out there, and then juxtaposed the DMX being all calm, looking at it, just. A line of cars and a white dude just chilling on the whole thing. And amp, like, if this scene went like a minute or a minute and a half, cool. This thing felt like it went on for like, I know it was only maybe like what, three minutes. It felt like 30. It, it was, it was too much. It was too much. Like I said, Wait. I think that director get a kick out of Anthony Anderson and he just wanted him to go, go, go. And I was just like, 
Stop. Like, the first time he came in, he could, you could have had them, you know, moment with one car. And then let's go to the DMX buying the car. But he went, like, with three more cars. The cheapest vehicle, the cheapest vehicle we have in here is 75. So if you aren't buying, you must be bouncing out. And whatever. And, like, yeah, there was some nice cars in there. And I'm like, you're going to go in there. Yeah, take deck. <laughs> you don't just put a, like. It's just obnoxious. So anyway, he's like, he turned him, you know, turning a DMX in the car. It's like, you know, here out the engine go. White dude talks with cheese. Like, he's like, you're not supposed to do that. He's revving it up. Like, like, can you turn that motherfucker off? Screaming. <laughs> uh, they all looking at him like sideways. And DMX is like, you know, you don't have to shout. You just ask. Asking always, you know, gets you the things you need in a better manner. And it's kind of like, oh, so he's playing one of those characters mm-hmm. where it's like, I'm just cool and calm. I'm just relaxed. Not like I'm going to shout at you or anything like that. And it works like, like this one. It has a bag of cash. It's like, what's 285? Like, it's 300. You know, hand it to the white dude. Like, you keep the commission. And then, like, oh, I can hook you up. But like, you need to hook up the paperwork. Don't forget about me, homie. My guy. Like, and you know what? On one hand, that type of humor is dated, and I can't stand that humor. On the other hand, it, there is some real life applications to that. Like, cause there are, cause this, I like to tell people who don't know, there's a difference between being black and growing up here, and being black and growing up somewhere else, and then coming here. It's not the same. Oh yeah, we'll it's not. It. Well, we yeah. won't delve too deep into it, but it's not the same situation like this has come up I've gone to Howard and I was in the pharmacy program with people like this so yeah so there is a kernel of truth to stuff like this not dialed up all the way how it is here no, like no, raw no. like wrestling but it's definitely here so <laughs> that's all you can say we got one more movie with him too damn man Whew. So anyway, back to see the goal. He checks, you know, check my over this dude in the yellow Hummer, trying to figure out what's going on, trying to you know track him out. Oh, you and missed him! You missed the bone. You missed this dude. You missed the um him meeting the uh, sergeant dude when they were doing the taser shit. Oh, I thought was was this no? Did this happen? That was before because that's when he meet everybody. No, actually, what happened is he first. He sees, he's like, he's trailing DMX. And he's like, DMX is making this, this deal with this dude. Come on, I'm trying to move this worker, anything like that. They're about to escape. And DMX busts out his. It's amazing DMX trained for like six weeks for this movie. And I'm like, he really took this, he really took this seriously. Yeah. He out here trying to do Muay Thai and Tim. <laughs> hey, he's still, hey, he's there for New York. So he out here having a fight scene. He escapes. Um, and then the other guy gets, he caught the other guy's like, oh, congratulations. You messed up, you know, you messed up this case three months undercover. Oh, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that's right. he gets a traffic cop. And he's not good at his job. <laughs> he is not. And then that's when he meets the people. Yeah, okay, you know, you're right. Including the people he, he 
is his partner, Isaiah Washington. Man. No, face, no facial hair. I gotta s- like, I gotta say this. Yo, Isaiah Washington really had next up. I know y'all can get tired of me saying this, but I <laughs> let it let it go. I can't because I'm like all you do is shut the fuck up. Don't say nothing. But well, here's the thing. He didn't accidentally say that. No, he didn't. He said it. He did double down on it. Yeah. Yeah, he, he definitely doubled down on it. Oh, boy. They to make it like, oh, they don't want the brother to speak the truth. It's like, nah, just shut up. Stop being it. All right, I'm done with it. I'm done. It's, kind of like, it's just weird because, one, we had just saw Romeo must die. And you used to Mac and, the, you know, just being like a, a cobra that's ready to unleash. And this one, he all, like, baby face. Wholesome. Slightly naive, like here's the homies, and it's not all bad. I'm just here. I heard about you, and Isaiah Washington, no facial hair, looks weird. <laughs> he was like, you know, I'm trying to great values more, and not in a bad way. It's just so damn weird because it's the only one I can remember being wholesome. Yeah, because like you said, everything else, you know, is always that. You know, either he evil or he got some other shit, you know, going on. Hmm. So he's in there, meet him. Then you meet the other crew, because they out here like, oh, this is, everybody's slinging weights. This is like the Planet Fitness priest, and then here they out here doing pet curls, squats, bench presses, fights, and they doing like, you know, do the taser. Yeah, fuck that. <laughs> like, let's tase each other. What is it with men and stuff like this? We just love hating each other and just <sighs> love doing stupid shit. What, we bored? You know that's a that's that's a whole other conversation, but man, oh man, <sighs> that shit still it's happens today. It's fun, it's fun. That's why I never went out like fraternities when I was an undergrad. Mm-hmm. I ain't swallowing no fish. You ain't paddling me on the head like you. You out your goddamn mind if you think I'm doing that just so we can be friends. Yeah, that uh, whole fraternity. Yeah, you can hook me up when I'm thirty. Like I was. <laughs> I was it's I I grew up in the Northeast, so HBCU culture wasn't like super strong like that. Like I didn't see um what's the movie? School days, so I was already in college. Like pharmacy school. Mm-hmm. So like, yeah, I know. We broke my black card, whatever, kiss my ass. No, 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 no. You be fine. So I so it's kind of like this whole that fraternity thing I was never a big thing of, the whole hazing thing, that you gotta do all this to prove. I'm like, no, we grown. I ain't doing that shit. I had my check. Like, yeah, I already know if I've been an athlete. I'd have, I'd have them asshole athletes. They've been talking about it. Now it's like, yeah, he acts like he was better than us because you didn't get our donut run. <laughs> you think I was out was doing donut run? <laughs> That's all. <laughs> like, I, I, you know what? I, I think – I think AI may have in Georgetown when he was the freshman. I think they might have had to do some bullshit. Other than that, he ain't never do no silly shit like that. Who's telling Alvin Ives to come carry my bag? You'd be he surprised. He just got out of jail, and he was in jail for like sw- swinging a chair at people, white people. You know that that video that video still that video still is grainy to me. But anyway, <laughs> well, I'm just saying, if it ain't John Tyler, ain't nobody telling Alvin Ives. Like you might haze, like oh, it's Grant Hill. We can haze him. He comes from good family. Both his parents alive. 
You tell Jerry Stackhouse like No, I think they do because I've, I've heard stories. I, I heard, I've heard because I remember they they t- had Jordan doing some bullshit. I remember he told a story about that shit. I forgot what they had him doing, but he was doing some bullshit. But you didn't last long. Oh no, 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 no. He probably lasted that first couple of month or two, and then it was over. But here's the thing. Also, Jordan had a certain mentality that grew into that. I bet you Charles Oakley wasn't doing that. <laughs> nah, somebody he, he, he go fuck somebody up. Yeah, Charles up. Charles Oakley was like you know. You say your favorite rapper, favorite rapper. Yeah, he's your favorite bully, favorite book. He was bullying the bullies. So anyway, this whole thing going on, they have a taser fight. You hear more kind of like the big white dude was undercover from the KKK for like a year, bust up a whole like clan group, like basically this. Everybody, all the white dudes that's looking way too crazy, they have a taser fight. Like, oh, put on twenty five percent. He put on seventy five. It's like, oh, like 25 my ass. They start having to fight in the damn shower curtain. And then all of a sudden, you're about to swing it on, and you see this big black arm. It's like, you know, bad guys. Bad guys out there. You're going to be all cool in here. It's Michael Jai White. Yeah. Black Dynamite himself. Man, I, Why was Michael Jai White not a star? I don't. You know what I think? It, I don't think he wanted to play the game. I honestly, that's what I honestly believe. Because I've I watched uh, like a couple of his interviews with, with Vlad. And I normally don't, but it's him, so I want to hear him talk. Just seemed like he won't into that, you know, the shit that you got to go through in Hollywood. So I guess you know he'll do it on his own terms, not like playing the game. So I respect that. Because think about it, he's a world class martial artist that looks the way he looks, and it's funny. Yeah. Like, really funny. On multiple levels. Like, he can be deadpan funny, or he can be clown funny. And he can also kick your ass. Yeah, he can do it. He can do it's drama, like too. It's like combining Chris Tucker and Jet Li. And he looked like, and he looked, and he looked the way he looked. Like, Michael John White looked like he can beat the shit out of, like, 95% of people he run into. I've never understood, like, how you got him when he's not a star? And he, and he was in stuff. It was like, you know, he played Mike Tyson. He was in Spawn. Mm-hmm. He was in this. Like, he's had a long-ass career. Thank goodness for Tyler Perry because he saw that he could do more, you know, too. I mean, he was just fine. Like, Tyler Perry put him on. He's doing that. He do Black Dynamite. That becomes an animated show. And I'm like, I see him and Scott Atkins. I'm kind of like, what's going on? Martial artists who can actually act you can't find nothing for them to do. Yeah, I want to do. Michael John White hadn't been in a Marvel movie yet, or not show up on Luke Cage at least one episode. Hey, you never know. Give it some time. You never know what's gonna happen. You got a TV series come up on air. He pop up on air all the time. I was always enjoy it because he be giving all of that shit like you think you a hero. <laughs> Same shit I'm doing. Yeah, I did enjoy him on uh, Arrow. So he pops in there. It's like, oh, this, this, you know, Sergeant such and such. You need a hookup. He got you. You need some extra money. You need like, you know, security detail. You need tickets to piston game. He gets front row seats. He know everybody. So it's like, he's a big home. You'll see him again. It's like, oh, you hear about him? He's just a cool dude, like that. So back on the trail, they, you know, you discover after they figure out Anthony Anderson, this some dude. Because at first they figure out who he is because it's kind of like 
when he when they first trying to find DMX, Anthony out Anthony out there to stake out. He get caught up by Steven Seagal, gets locked the um the bumper of his car, and Anthony Anthony just escapes with the bumper. <laughs> he kind of just forgot about that part. So I did. They track what's going on. I go ahead. I just forgot. I, I didn't realize that until you said it. He did leave with the bumper. He was just out of there. Because he made a point to my, I'm trying to get my bumper back when they see later. So anyway, they figure out those two people. And it's like, oh, Anthony Anson on the club. He out there. Come on, Shake, put some grease on it. Put some titties on the glass. I'm like, oh, my God. <sighs> this is so misogynistic and obnoxious. He's out here. So he's a club owner. Seeing them be successful in there, too. They out there popping. And it's kind of like, I don't, I was never a big, big club person anyway. I'm definitely too old for it now. But I know that's the thing, like, you know, girls dressed up and put the paint on. And I'm like, money, money. Yeah. We're, you know, nothing wrong with dancing like that. But I'm like, you got to feel a certain way. You out there, and you, you, you got to shake your titties and put green paint on because Anthony Addison told you to. <laughs> Look, man, you just, I mean, we just watched the, uh, <laughs> we just watched Players Club. Cut it out. I've never I've heard few people say that was their goal. Sometimes you just fall fall into certain jobs, and I'm not demeaning that job at all. I'm just feeling sorry for the woman. Like you got to shake your ass to Anthony Anderson, and it's like you like it. Put the put the titties on the glass, leave a print. Like, ugh. Yeah. Meanwhile, upstairs, DMX is counting money, and you start to see the relationship between the two. Because at first it's like, you know, let me get a drink. He's talking like, oh, I need to chill out or anything like that. Yo, where my drink at? He's like, okay, boss, man, I got you. And DMX realized he kind of like, you know, went a little too far because he stopped and like, hold up. You know I wouldn't be here. You know I wouldn't be here without you, right? Like, you're my home. Like, you know, his way of, he don't say he's sorry, but he basically apologized. Yeah. And it's like little things like that. This is little thing right here. It's like, yeah, they bust at each other, but at the end of the day, they friends and they got each other back. He's like, you know, I'm out here. You need to be having fun. You know, this door you paid for, counting money in my club, sitting there, chill out, like, relax. He's like, you know, I'm sorry. It's like that. Now get my drink, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> like how friends joke with each other. Cause only, only real close friends joke like that. Yeah. So, you don't show up the white dude in the black club. It, no, it, pull Anthony Anderson out here. You know what's funny about that scene too? And sorry for coming across you, but Anthony Anderson was turned down and you saw it. It wasn't joking. It was like that, that moment. And he was like, no, nah, this dude can act. He don't have to do the goofy shit all the time. But oh boy, that director said, no, no, no. <laughs> I need you back up to a hundred. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you see that. And the reason all this whole thing to get discovered, why she's going in the first place is, $5 million of heroin got stolen out of evidence. So you're trying to figure out, because, oh, yeah, that's another, so that's, this movie keeps jumping around, and I'm trying to figure out, oh, this is what happened. So, I don't know which scene happened before, because it's like, it was one scene when Steven Seagal goes in some building, and it's like, you see all these people tied up, you remember that scene? 
Yeah, the, uh, wasn't like Mexicans or Latinos. I don't know which one they were, but like yeah, yeah. And I'm trying to. Was that the scene where it's like the evidence was stolen? I think so. Yeah, because the evidence was stolen. They go back into the van, and it's like, oh, let me just see what's going on. Can you read? Oh, that's right. It was this was the scene. So go in there. People tied up. It's a shootout. People escape. And it's like, can you rewind it back? So it's two people in the van. They see one person got a watch on. They see he's black. And it's kind of like, you can't see any faces. They hear the voices. And then the other dude got to be for, oh, what you was on here for? It's like, oh, I'm just stopping by. Like, you know, I hope you don't try to mess up my case. So this is the second time they already had interactions. So they ain't cool. So it's kind of like $5 million of heroin got stolen. That $5 million of heroin going to come up later. Later, 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 and a stupid reason why. So anyway, back to Anthony Anson Club. He's gone here trying to get his bumper back. And of course, Anthony Anson going to have bodyguards. So one, he had this Samoan dude, big dude, too. Make Roman Reigns look like me. Yeah. Like this Small. Out here. And I will give kudos to Jesus with this. He ain't just demolishing people in fights. Like, he getting, like he getting beat up. And... I'm surprised because Cena Segal don't get beat up in fights. Think about how many Cena Segal movies in there. Cena Segal might get hit well once or twice per movie, not per fight, per movie. Uh, yeah. You remember Screwface hitting him a whole bunch of times? In Mark for Death? No. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. So you're right. Yeah, this is one of those rare times that you saw him take. Punishment. I don't think anybody, I don't think Tom Lee Jones touched him once in under siege. Well, I know, well. And that's Tom Lee, that's Tom Lee Jones. But I always heard that was his yeah. thing back then, too, that, you know, he always wanted to kind of look good, so whatever. Mm-hmm. That's, it ain't just him. Yeah, yeah, that, that was all of them. And, and, and it's funny, as they got older, they seem to get worse at that. But anyway, they had a fight, and this fight is ridiculous. Because the funny thing is, he's trying his Aikido and Geo stuff, and that shit ain't working. Like, yeah. <laughs> that little... Who's that Who's that British wrestler? Uh, nah, I'll see the other one. Zack Sabre Jr.? Yeah. That shit don't work when you're 320. <laughs> <laughs> that humble. I'm going to just twist your little pinky and make you uh, fall shit. down. Like, yeah, that shit look cute when it's somebody just size. That big he's like that joint lock ain't working. Had him in a gorilla press, and they out there throwing through like a chain, like a chain fence. He bouncing that. He's actually doing kick moves, and yeah, some more, some more of his wire food shit came out. Oh gosh! Because all of a sudden, sees the all turning. Paul Phoenix, he grabbed a chain, <laughs> wrapped around his fist, hitting this dude in the face and throat three times. Uppercut him. And then while the dude in midair does a thrust punch and punches this dude like 20 feet. Look, when you said that, I said, wait a minute. That is something that Paul Phoenix would do. I was like, what is going on right now? I, I don't just be pulling this out just to say it because it sounds funny. It's always a colonel of and stuff like this. Like, all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, now it's the second three fight scene going on. So uh, this stuff is happening, and after Anthony trying to escape, the home, you know, and the homie Isaiah Washington there holding the door. You see, you see DMX trying to escape. 
He's like, freeze. And DMX is like, oh, yeah, I'm going to show you. I learned in six weeks. And you know what thing I learned with DMX? To the same thing I learned, Cradle the Grave. What's you that? You can tell it was Muay Thai training. Because all his stuff was like knees and elbows. Everything else. So he always trying to like knee the shit out of people. <laughs> and, <laughs> and it's just funny seeing DMX fight these like fat farm on it and these clunky ass Tim's. <laughs> Trying to do tiger knees and jump knees and elbows. So anyway, they fighting and keep on. They must get beat up a lot too in these movies. Oh yeah. So at least in this, especially at the end, but he out here. They have this one on one fight. They pull the gun out, and then Anthony Anson, Anthony Anson grabs DMX gun, tries to pull the trigger, no bullet. DMX walk around like I got a gun. I ain't trying to use it because he got that little smirk like Nah, I don't shoot. They ain't my thing. Like, yeah. This whole this whole thing about him defying stereotypes. Because he unloads, and Isaiah Watson gonna take the bullet out, and Anthony Anthony clubbed the shit out of him. Boy, was um yeah. Isaiah Washington pride hurt. That boy pride hurt was like, what, the, the rest of the second act? No, I'm God, man. <laughs> Why he bad? He just bad. He got his ass whooped. He did nobody had. I'm just like, hey, shit go happens. Hey, you gotta take the L. He didn't want to hold it. He did not want to hold that L. Yeah, because you you thought you was fighting the thugs. You really fighting Batman. <laughs> That's basically what DMX in this movie. I'm this mild manner former computer with that can move my way through the streets. I got a gun, but don't carry any bullets, and I can fight, and I'm. Okay. And I got a fake name. I'm, I'm he not, Batman. I'm not going to argue with you. You're right. DMX is Batman without a mask. Matter of fact, his identity is the mask. Because you look at him, you have no idea. You're thinking he's just a, he a street drug dealer. Not then like he's just a computer hacking genius that can fight. Uh. <laughs> so, so, so is it him? So if you had to choose him or Mike Larry? Okay, just making sure. Mike Lowry got police. Mike Lowry got police training. Hey, quick question. Mike Larry's Mike Larry. But the whole thing is he ain't as being as rich as DMX is this movie because the way they describe him. And let's get in the point before we jump into it. So they basically figure out after Steven Seagal get the car, he visits Dragon. Come on, what's you in here? Was you slinking? Slinging weed, slinging rocks. I'm slinging hair. Well, you already know that. You look in there, you cops think you know every fucking thing. You and your degree, he on his Monique shit. Got all the answers. <laughs> shit. He is tight. Like, you can't help. You can't help me. Nobody can help me. And that's when the first time Dragon, like you know, that whole I'm tough guy side drop. He he looked shook. Yeah, man, he trying to keep that booty hole tight. He ain't trying to get got. <laughs> so go ahead. What were you about to say? No, I was just about to say that. Um, Fucking uh, uh, Mike Larry money was fucking long. 
<laughs> because it's been some years. It's been st- like I know he inherited money, but how much money did he inherit? Shit. Anyway, that was a sidebar. Call him Hero Cop. He's a multimillionaire. You see the cars he drives. You see how he was dressing. Yeah, that, I forgot what his parents did. Yeah, that's that's the whole thing. But neither did that. Nobody. Man, his dad was a lot of the morning. <laughs> Uh, what we want, uh, do. but anyway, so this after he all use Tom Arnold, like, oh, I'm gonna hook you up. This is my friend. I'm gonna help you out. So he kind of find out what the whole deal is with Sean Rollins and his brother. So Sean got, you know, he got set up for a crime, and as soon as he got arrested, this other dude came up. It's like, oh, the Trail Walker's actually Leon Rollins, Sean Rollins' brother, computer expert, gazillionaire. He had some website, 999.com, everything, $10 left, sold it, you know, sold it right before the bubble burst. He's super rich. Now, things like that actually happen during this time. Yeah. Mark Cuban is a perfect example. There's a whole lot of people, you right place, right time, you sold. Think about it. The dude that owns MySpace is filthy rich. You ever hear about him? Nope. Nope. He's just somewhere being rich. That's the way to do it. It's the way to do it. He don't, he don't get none of the scrutiny or, you know, villainy thrown at him that Zuckerberg does. He don't get no slander. He's like, oh, you know, Tom. He's just out there. Tom probably sitting on a mountain of cocaine if he wants. Just being rich. Or something that nobody used anymore. Like, I remember MySpace was heavy as hell. That's the one thing I remember about MySpace. It was like ghetto face. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> but, oh, you you want to disagree? No, 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 no. You're right, but just I just I just remember the, I remember the MySpace days. I think I got on like right at the end, so I didn't like have it right when it was popping. But yeah, no, I got on in the middle because it was easier to get on MySpace than Facebook. Facebook before was like you know college undergrad college students. Matter of fact. You oh yeah, you had to be. Email. Yeah. And then it was like undergrads and grads and everybody college, and then it became everybody. And then right when that what right when that happened is when MySpace basically died. Google Plus never be. Yeah. Keep in mind, back in the day before we had Facebook and Twitter and like that, we had MySpace, and before that we had Black Planet. Oh, I remember that. Oh, sh- whoo! I remember that. <laughs> Oh, uh, yeah, Black Planet. That was the thing right there. I met this, I actually dated somebody I met on Black Planet one time. So, yeah. Hey, you do what you got to do with a dial up. <laughs> oh, man. I did some crazy stuff on Black, Black Planet. That was wild. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, they, all these other drug deals come on because you find out about DMX. Basically, he's Leon Rodgers, rich dude. And he runs the white guy talking about this hero copy on my shit. Like, you know, what's going like what's going on? Like, you know, basically talking about Steven Seagal, we ain't gonna have no deal. This keeps happening. He's supposed to be protecting me. He's like, you try to think like someone, you know, if you wanted you got, you'd be got like your brothers, relax. But if you wanna really relax, he helps you meet, you know, meet, meet our leaders like that. So they meet up with him, have a mashed up. And then who is it? Michael Ja White. Yeah, you know what? You said. I always wanted to do that shit. I wish I had a cat. 
you said this earlier. I felt like we found that out super late. Later than we should have found out. I get it was supposed to be a big reveal, but it just seemed like it just, I don't know, maybe the scenes were just, like I said, it was a lot of scenes that were long, so it made us feel like that it was longer that we found that out as far as, you know, us being, a, you know, watching the movie. It's a worse, it's a worse reveal later, but we'll get to that at the end. Like, this reveal is kind of like, because all we heard about him was like, you know, he's a good guy. He's in, you know, everything's all up front. Because before when Isaiah Washington gets, you know, accosted by other dudes, oh, he was up there. Oh, yeah, he messed up my case. And he's like, you know, don't worry. It, it, like, basically, get out of my face. We got something to, we got something to talk to. We talked to him about it being all huffy. And Michael Jai White, like, you know, basically, the fact Isaiah Washington, you, know, you ain't listening. You know, all that talking, you talking upstairs. Just the weight. And did you see the workouts he was doing? That man out there doing spin kicks and jabs. I'm like, why does cop look like a mortal? Like he about to go to Outworld. In <laughs> <laughs> that bag, like, yeah, I'm just in case he's fighting the Black Dragon Clan. I gotta be ready. Oh, man, yeah, like I said, this this was the this was NXT. This is the NXT precinct right here because the cop was just. That that's why I was just everybody was either in was in shape or had hands or both. Yeah. Had to be ready to work. The worst precinct. <laughs> so anyway, you come to find out, um, basically, yeah, he's running the show. They go this how they're gonna move the dope. So you know, basically they're gonna take the heroin, put it in shirts, zip you know, they're gonna melt down the heroin, dip it in shirts. Zip, you know, freeze dye the shirts so the dogs don't smell. Ship them anywhere you want. You can sling all this work wherever you want to go, and no problem. And I'm like, it amazes me how all these mo- each movie have like a way of like how to move cocaine, right? And you see like sub submarines. We put in fruit. This one like drive free in the shirt. And it's like these mad geniuses slinging that stuff, finding ways. Like you know, you don't put it in the. I wait for it to put it on PlayStation this. Don't 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 talk that up. Get your PlayStation Man. Five. You Final <laughs> You get your PlayStation Five and see some package in there. You're like, what the hell? <laughs> so then we find. So this goes on and this happens. Steven Seagal's, you know, one he's one step trying to find out what's going on, and then he calls Steven Seagal. He calls DMX again. They have a fight scene this time. Fight scene don't last that long. Like maybe what? 15, 30 seconds? That's enough so like, what? you know, you, pu- you get to punch me once, I get to punch you once. This is when he hurt him, right? Flip. This is when Steven Seagal hurt yeah. DMX. Like legit hurt him on, on set. <laughs> Probably and, got mad when DMX tried to kick him in the nuts with some Tim. And motherfucking... Um, DMX is <laughs> say he's called you know basically they don't like each other. That's pretty much the tone of it. You say he's a dickhead or whatever. I mean, they not in the movie that much. And Steven Seagal has a reputation of being an asshole. Yeah. DMX seems like a very material person to begin with under the best circumstances. And yeah. And oh, something else about the movie. The other villain, the one that's like, you know, yeah. undercurrent like that, mm-hmm. 
they had to film. They had to film. They had to delay filming because he got arrested and charged with sexual assault. Jesus. On a wardrobe technician. <laughs> what are we doing? What are we doing? Oh boy! At that point, hey, we can finish the movie without you, bro. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> man, oh man! So that goes on. They introduce what they're really doing. Someone they basically you know interviewing. They basically taping cops to get police brutality. Some of people hear about police crime, but different when you see it. So see see who they working with, Anthony Anderson there. It's like, oh, let's do it again like that. And then you see Eva Mendez for the first. She's only in here like two scenes. And yep. Three. No, yeah, two, two, two. Jar- it is so jarring. No, she's here three. Cause she pops up one time. She doesn't say anything. When it's like, you know, looking for Anthony, like, I think when DMX was, no, when she was like, oh, looking for Anthony Anderson. Was a, oh, like, yeah, harass, she didn't like, say nothing. Like, harassing my friend, yeah, like yeah. this. So, and then you don't see her again. And then you see her this scene. She's talking. She has lines. Some of, this is what we do. And I'm like, wait a second. I don't sound like her. Sound like Becky. Yeah. Like, at all. And not even, the funny thing is, I remember her being in this movie. But I don't remember her voice. Because I hadn't seen it so long. So I didn't even think about it. Then I read the IMDb. And then I remember we were like, yeah, that does not sound like her at all. And I can imagine how mad she's about they dealt my voice because they feel like I was. They do that with women a lot. Gina Carano, they did the same thing with her in Haywire. Yeah. But they never tell some of these mush mouth men we be getting. Hey, How it's... come Lucas Black never got his voice? How come Lucas Black never got his voice Because <laughs> you understand We're not gonna do that to Lucas Black. Listen, Lucas Black is all right. The lady that made alone, he ain't do nothing to you. I mean, Schwarzenegger did that with him once, and then once he became famous, like, nah, we're just gonna let it ride. I'm Harry Tasker. <laughs> 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 yeah, I just thought I just thought that was wild because I know how Eva Mendez sounds. So I'm just like, where does this notion about like did somebody not like her? I don't. It just seemed like it was more to it than just what they said. I can't believe that. Oh, she didn't sound intelligent enough. What? No, it's racism. You like you hear about the stuff like I remember reading about Eva. She used to tell me how she's gonna quit. Cause she kept going through all this shit. She was not getting respected as an actress, and she's like, you know what? This is not for me. And then I don't know which movie it was, which they made a change of mind. I don't know because it's kind of like it's funny where she pops up in like Training Day. She pops up in this. Um, what's the other movie? Like she just pop up here and there, and then like all about the Benjamins. The first remember the first one I remember her being here, like having like a role role. And then she's in Hitch and Ghost Rider. And is she in? Is she in the, the spirit? Is she? I hated that, but I didn't. I never finished that movie. I never finished this. So I don't know. Oh, that's that movie's bad. <laughs> I know. Like imagine, like if somebody. And the funny thing is, it's directed by Frank Miller too. But I'm kind of like imagine somebody saw Sin City like tomorrow. I'm just going to do all the cool stuff, and that's all it is. Yeah. I, and they just ignore everything else. So, 
Yeah, she is in it. Yeah, she's in that. But it's funny where she had this career, she just pops up and stuff, and then she just vanished. Deuces. I don't know. Like, she just stopped acting, and I'm like, now she, you know, I'm Mrs. Ryan Gosling. Right. <laughs> having a women a lot, where it's like they hit a certain spot, and like you get like a four to five year run, and if it ain't popping after those four to five years, it's done. She ain't hurting. Her her, her man doing all right for both of them. Yeah, so basically, her run was basically from like 2002 to 2009. Her run, but she got said good seven years, and then that's just it. So, oh well. Oh, but speaking of who had who did get to talk, why my man show up at the um, restaurant? His boss out there, oh, his first time for the date, get some cop stuff, and he just show up. Uh, yo, not here. Yo, I'm here now. Let's talk. He's like, call me like I'm in the bathroom. Nah, he is. Yo. Imagine, imagine being on a date with somebody and so another dude coming and say, take a walk. <laughs> what? <laughs> and she's like, yeah, just just give her a couple of a couple of minutes so we could talk. Really? I'm I'm leaving. I'm out. Nah, y'all need to take care of this some other time. Are we on a date? Get the fuck out of here. I'm telling I felt like it was supposed to be like a, a, something like an attraction going on that they, they didn't dive into because they oh, played with it. Yeah, no, it was definitely there. It was definitely something there because they had some chemistry. Like, he was like, yeah, he a hard ass, but, you know, it's something about him I like. He's yeah, digging on her as much as seems to go going to dig on any woman in a movie. Well, yeah, the funny too. thing is, can we talk about that? What's that? It seemed like only Wesley Snipes and Will Smith were the only action stars getting asked. That seemed believable. I mean, I think it's like that. I think it's almost similar to like um what we saw like Dolomite when he had to make that love scene and he was just like I don't know how people are gonna feel about it like some actors probably getting their hands like oh, I don't want to do this or you know whatever but, no think about all the action stars we had yeah how many of them seemed like they was like it seemed like oh, I forgot Van Damme because Van Damme was oh notorious notorious I just watched uh fucking Lionheart and he was getting cheeks but go ahead. Lionheart, Bloodsport, Double Impact, he's macking on his brother's girl. Like, yeah, if you look a certain way, he's trying to get them yam. So let me, I forgot, and we won't even talk about time cop. So, yeah, so Van Dan added too. It seemed like, like, Stallone, you know, Schwarzenegger, they play more as a joke. Like, you know, like, it's like, and it wasn't just, you know. I, that, it's, it's the actor. It's it got to be the actor. It got to be like you know, I don't feel comfortable doing this. Almost, all, but none of them. Like even Harrison Ford, a little bit. Like he had chemistry. Yeah. Like in Indiana Jones, but he never seemed like I'm trying to get like have. Okay, sex. but you you know in our in our community, as far as women go, Wesley was that thing. So of course they're gonna put it like money train and have but the no. have the sex yeah, scene Wesley, with J Lo. Yeah. 
Wesley was always like he like even if he wasn't having sex, you could believe him having it. Yeah. Wesley was, Will Smith, even now. Like Will Smith stayed stayed like, you know. It's funny thinking about that, but like yes, Will Smith was a sex symbol. And it was like it to the point where he showed up in movies if he was one of you as having affairs. Cause I know that came up in uh I Robot. That always comes up. It came up. It came up in Hancock. I mean, it came up a lot in Hancock, a whole lot. And even that movie he did with Margot Robbie before Suicide Squad. Oh, that's when. I, that's when I thought that's when it was at its peak with that one. Yeah, if he was like, did Jada know about all this? I'm like, no. Will Smith's just a good actor that just happens to have a quality of being. He just has chemistry with every woman he happens to be with, and most people can't say that. And, but no, this is the, the only time I remember seeing Seagal having like a lot of chemistry with a woman. And they had something going on. He's like, oh, what you got? Yeah, this is going here. Some dirty cops. This is going on. I find some proof, you know. Yeah, when well, you get some proof, proof, come bring it to me. Oh, this food's good. Like carbone. Ate my main food. You're eating out of the plate. He ate don't say shit. She laughs. She kind of smirk about it. Yeah, like, Orin, watch it back. Take care of yourself. I will. Yeah. Ain't no second date for homies. Oh yeah, he he done. Yeah, he out the paint. Uh, so that's just a damn shame. It's rough. It's cold. So they they basically try to get the proof. Somebody, I'm gonna meet you in the parking lot such and such time. So meet up there. It's an ambush. Car, you know, car scene going on. Car chase going on, but. They don't like motorcycles and cars, police <laughs> car chase. And I'm mad about this car chase because one, Jill Hennessy dies. And she dies because she has a seatbelt on and gets it all done. Because all of a sudden, you see like a fire truck. You get the brakes on. And nobody oh think you get God. the brakes on. You survive. So like, nope. They were in there. The um, <laughs> Where was the, um, the, the safety bag? Where's the seat bag at? Oh, my God. Yo. She hit windshield first. The editing of that was just so hilarious. And when she hit windshield first, and they kind of pan over to Steven Seagal, I think he was supposed to be showing, like, you know, like, damn, like, hurt. But it looks like he was just constipated. He was just like, Ugh. <laughs> I mean, because you normally don't see an accident where the person that doesn't have a seatbelt on lives and the one that does dies. Yeah, that was wild. Yeah. Like sideways. No worse for wear, no bumps and bruises, no nothing. It's, she hit what that front window dead. It's weird that she died. It's 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 kind of weird. Cause okay, if she would have like been hurt and been in the hospital and saw at the end, it was just like, why did they take her out of this movie? And I don't know if it was you know, one of the actors thought it was a good idea or the director, but it was just weird. So they go on the so he steals a bike, they have the moral police chase. And yeah. And then we had the scene where they trying to run him over with the car. <laughs> he just actively hit him. And you could tell it's him because one, he got a gut. Ain't no stunt devil out there gonna be looking like that. And he out there running this constipated run, and he tried to hurdle his car. 
and it just looks so raggedy, and he jumps the car, and the car just hurts the wall and everything. He hurt his knee. I can just hear him. Oh, uh, I tried to jump the car, and he hurts. Uh, I think I sprained something. A couple of days off. You need to rest. We'll be back soon. Mm-hmm. Later. And the reason this happened, because beforehand, they realized people were dirty because they tried to kill him. They tried to kill him earlier. Yeah, they did try to. Where was he at when they tried to kill him the first time? It was like daylight, matter of fact. Um, I'm trying to remember. Because I think they was it. They tried to kill him. Oh, I remember what happened. Yeah, they kidnapped him. Come on, oh yeah, this is the deal. Come up, DMX put it. You know, they tried to blame him. DMX come up. You know, I get you out the paint. So this, you got. So they tried to kidnap him and drug him in the van. Oh yeah, okay, yeah. Then he kicked the right. yeah, yeah. And he had a he had a fight. He handcuffed the band, and he's still beating the ass. Ow! You know why? I'm Steven Seagal. What do you think? Make the one dude stab the other dude with the poison needle. That, that was d- give him so he crashed. That wasn't even believable. I was just like, and it was shit like that that just took me out the movie. I was just like. And I get it. You want, I want to, you know, like Matrix, you want to go, okay, I'm going along for the ride. But this was just like, if it's supposed to be like a street level movie and I'm supposed to say, okay, all this stuff can actually happen. This motherfucker jumping over cars like Neo and getting out of predicaments that he shouldn't be able to. I'm just like, yeah, this is really a Steven Seagal movie. Ah, what's next? This, this, is, this is a vanity project if I ever saw one. He some well he blows off the um cuffs with the gun rolls out before the van like the van already cause keep in mind the van crashes and as soon as it crashes it catches on fire like it's about to blow up and they out here having a kick fight in a burning van and then he slides off the van before the van gets hit by a dump truck yeah I remember that scene now cause soon that scene goes by it's the DMS caught the rap. <laughs> So that's why I remember the scene. But I just got it out of order. So we don't need to go through it. So basically the whole plot is they were they basically try to frame DMX to like, you know, kill Steven Seagal. Steven Seagal DMX know what's going on. They know who the villains are. They're gonna meet one last time. Like this is the plan. Like we gotta get them we gotta get them here, get them on tape, we're gonna sling, you know. Somehow they got five million dollars of dope. I don't know how they got it. I'm gonna buy it, get on tape, and that's the thing. But Steven Seagal needs help. So he makes a few calls. Calls Isaiah Washington there with his baby and his it, black wife. And he still butt hurt over getting his ass whooped. <laughs> he still holding that like, man, I got beat. Man, I mean, yeah, because I'm like, on my day off, basically. <laughs> so, oh, yeah, shit. so you're in there like, okay, give me the baby. I put the baby away. So the baby start crying. It's like, they look like they could be married. Yeah. This woman is to him. And it's, he's like, all right, I'm going to roll with you one more time and get my best name like that. So they're going to meet up at the spot. And you find out Strut realizes the DMX is some old. So he's going to get over. Because he's like, I got the dope. I got the money. I got half. Half. Yeah, I'm going to give you half now. And half if I'm alive. And he's like, half. Let's just kill him now. 2.5 minutes, none. Because they don't believe him 
whatsoever. You know why they don't believe him? They realize his real name is. You know, get over on this Leon. You know what you talking about? Like I know, like yeah, you think like yeah. Think shit's you sweet. Know who your name is? Ain't no damn trail. <laughs> Come on now, stop playing like you dumb. So shootout happens. They having a fight. Um, oh, but before that shootout happened, they have a fight. Cause who's there as backup? Bruce McGill. But he ain't there as backup for Steven Seagal. He there as backup for Strut. <laughs> so he's the mastermind behind all of this. And you find out at the end of the movie. What? <laughs> he says, he says, I got tired of making 40000 a year. Tired of that shit. <laughs> I mean, that's believable. Yeah. Every villain. Whenever the crooked cop is always like, this point you don't get. This, see, even Transformers do that with Kelsey Grammer the most. You think the CIA pays enough for this shit? <laughs> His whole thing was, he working with the Decepticons to get paid. Oh. He's like, I'm trying to retire. I'm trying to retire. Every crooked cop is like, I'm trying to retire. We saw Dredd the same thing. Yeah. Dredd some boat. 250K? Being kind of cheap, betray the law. You're like, don't give me that shit. Save it for the rookies. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, yeah, forty k. That's, I mean, that's, yeah, I don't blame him. I know two, I know two thousand, and I know twenty twenty. I mean more, but forty thousand dollars. That was two thousand and one. Yeah, okay. I can, I can, I can, I can understand I, I, it. I, I got, yeah, I just like, I don't condone it, but I understand. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. I sent you here to do one thing. Somehow, you know, and why he sent him there? If he know what type of copy is, you know the thing is, it wasn't his idea to send him there. It was Bill Duke's idea. Yeah, I at uh, first I'm wondering, like, you know what type of cop Peter Segal is? You don't want him potentially messing up your plans. But then it's kind of like you know, it wasn't your decision in the first place. And yeah. they going back and forth talking about, you know, who shit this is. And like, us. Like, they're talking about this mine. I did this. Like, oh, oh, word? You did all this? Shoot him, man. Shoot your homie. Since, since you running the show. And he about to shoot him, too. Like, it wasn't, no, oh, I can't do it. That's my friend. And he's like, nah, sorry. 40K, you know. I'm tired. He's like, oh, so now nah, can't do shit when you broke. <laughs> <laughs> And then Bill Duke shows up out here ready to save the damn day. Him and Isaiah watching out there with guns blazing. DMX escapes to try to get the other dude. Anthony Anderson gets shot in the leg. Ow, oh, man, don't leave me here. He goes out. Anthony right. Anderson leaves too. No, he's like, I, I, no, he's like I'll, I'll protect you. And throws a whole bunch of lock <laughs> on the top of him. I was laughing my ass off. I'm like, what type of friendship is this? Like, it works. <laughs> Damn. He's hey, man, get me out of here. <laughs> Can't have it both ways. You got to figure out, you want protection or do you want to get out of there? So we have the gunfight. Um, Isaiah Washington gets, well, Isaiah Washington gets shot. Steven Seagal gets shot in the back. Like a whole bunch of people are getting shot. And the Bruce McGill trying to escape. Bill Duke ain't having that shit. Man, <laughs> Isaiah Washington, come on, you know, kick the gas can. So he kicks the gas can, he shoots it, kills the other dudes, and they call the other guy a name, shoots him like five times a shotgun, come out. 
You're fired. <laughs> Be a motherfucking dude. Like, Mac was not fucking around. And then we have the two final fights that play out completely different ways. Because you got, on one hand, DMX getting his ass whooped by one dude. And when I say get his ass whooped, he's getting his ass beat. Like, that shit was, especially when the dude, what was that, flour crack? It's like a whole bag of flour in his face, lying to him. It was just beating the shit out of him and choking him. On the other hand, Michael Jawai seems to go having a sword fight. <laughs> as soon as they broke out this one, I was just like, I'm God. <laughs> what are we doing? <laughs> and Michael John White out here, they went from fighting realistic, like, okay. How's he doing, like, front flips and he just split kick a sword swing? I'm like, what is this? Samurai Why? Showdown is dope, ain't it? This Samurai Showdown. <laughs> what the hell is going on? Why is he, why is he doing spin jump? <laughs> And where they get those swords from? Yeah, they're just hanging out. They were just kind of there. So they out there, sword fighting, everything going on, you know, swinging at each other. DMX still getting choked, getting beat up. Until he finally escapes where he hit, he grabs the dude and makes him headbutt the sprinkler <laughs> to turn the sprinkler on so he can see. And did he about to get caught with the sliced bread? Pushes the dude so the dude goes like eye first through like a metal pole, which was disgusting. I'm mad you say he was going for the sliced bread. <laughs> he had him like he got the RKO. I don't know what the white like he's trying to do with DMX. He said I beat the shit out of him, which he was doing. And then meanwhile, he's going on a fluke. So the guy runs away. Helicopter out to pick Michael Jai White trying to run away. Helicopter trying to pick him up. Steve Seagal runs out there, grabs the helicopter ladder, and then swings it around a pole to keep the helicopter down while Michael Jawai trying to climb up the helicopter. Ladder breaks. He falls, gets impaled on some ugly CGI. He dies too. So they both, both villains die from getting impaled. The other villain that wasn't even a villain for 95% of the movie gets shot. Anything all safe and sound. Um, Bill Duke off like, you know, you want your old job back, you get it. Thanks for cleaning up the bad cop. Man, fuck like, that. I'm right here where I'm at with, these, uh, with my partner. He's like, partner? partner? I, I guess. All right. <laughs> That's what he kind of was. You're like, all right. I'll, I'll, I'll see how it work out. Mm-hmm. And they partners ain't like that. And DMX like, I got the tape. <laughs> Bill Duke like, I ain't gonna do shit. I'll let your brother out. I'll let your brother out a couple hours. Yo, that was the realest shit ever. <laughs> he did all that work. Man, fuck that tape, cause any other words, he black. He his ass was staying there, but I got him out. Mm-hmm. He did all that work for nothing. <laughs> <laughs> put the internet. That gonna mean nothing. Get some, get some likes. Jeez, I, at first, I'll say, like, back in maybe 2001, it would have meant something. But I'm like, we had governors. Yeah, you know, back in the day, used to be blackface. <laughs> All that shit that it, happened in Virginia. Yeah. Like, it wasn't just, it was the governor and lieutenant governor and somebody else. And then the um, 
Justin Trudeau, like, yeah, you know, I used to do it back in the day. I'm sorry. And I'm like, why? What was what was y'all doing back in the day doing an attitude? This is like attitude. You know what? I blame DX. Mm. You blame it's DX. Dick with the nation, the attitude I- era. And, oh, the movie ends. <laughs> you know, DMX goes away with Ava Mendez hugging on each other. His brother free, so they free to go. They thank. And it ends with a talk show segment with Tom Arnold, Anthony Anderson, and trust me. <laughs> yeah, if that's the movie that I like, no. I'll turn that shit off. As soon as I saw them talking, I already knew it was about to happen. They talked through entire, they talked like a good three to five minutes. Yeah. I, I had it on the background while I was doing other stuff, and this how the movie ends. I didn't end, I didn't finish it. I didn't because I knew it was gonna happen, but I guarantee it's not funnier than um when they did it in uh Roscoe Jenkins. Guaranteed. <laughs> You'd be right in that. Um I gotta let y'all know something. I'm gonna tell you again. I fucking hate this movie. I will never watch this movie ever again. <laughs> ever. I didn't I just thought it was a the things that shined in this movie were DMX, uh, Bill Duke, and I think there was a story there. There was a story there, but somehow it just got all funneled up, and it's, it's, it's just not a good movie. Now, it made a lot of money, and I know why it made a lot of money around that time, um, but looking at it in 2020 eyes, if you ain't never seen it, you ain't missed nothing. I mean, I think where the problem is in trying to tell two different stories. DMX story doesn't really coincide with Steven Seagal. They just try to force it to. And you can't believe Steven You can't believe DMX's backstory. Because, like, if he's so rich, this whole thing, like, yeah, his brother got a trust fund. There's a million, like, millions of dollars. You can't touch you 25. If his brother's so rich, why is Dragon slinging drugs? Right. That's why I know. I was like, huh? It wasn't like he was wrong. He was wrongly convicted of that particular crime. He was still out there slinging that work. Just not that particular work he got arrested for. Yeah, Yeah, like keep in mind, like, yeah, it was like they planted these bricks on me. But it wasn't like I never never sold drugs for my life. It's like, huh? That part's getting me. Like, you don't don't sell drugs because you're bored. I know, and listen, I understand we're not supposed to look at it that deep, but when you just start looking at the movie, you just kind of like you start punching holes and the holes just keep on going. It's it's a movie with a lot of stars but it just ultimately fails and I don't know, I, I blame the director, I blame the writing mostly on it. I think it's kind of like and I blame she to go a little bit but not that much. No, nah, I'm not it's blaming him. Like than normal movies. And it's like, this didn't play like a normal Steven Seagal movie. 
It didn't, and it did. Being in an action movie was like, yeah, I'm going to show vulnerability. I'm going to actually get beat up. I'm going to get hurt. I'm going to have myself look foolish and stupid from time to time. Like, I'm going to, like, it felt like he wanted to do it all in this movie. I'm going to try to play nice. I'm going to try to, like, do things y'all way because my way wasn't working anymore. Mm, I guess. But I'm still, but still, because keep in mind, if you watch all the Steven Seagal movies, he never looks stupid. Like, no. Intentionally. That chair scene would have never worked. Unintentional comedy where he's like hugging people or something like that. But no, 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 no. This is in that same lane as Glimmer Man, where he was doing like it was like he was doing comedy bits, but they just weren't hitting. And it was just like okay, whatever. <laughs> I guess that was supposed to be his little bit there. So he was doing them. It's just that but, I, Okay. I never saw Glimmer Man, so but that's the only other move because none of his other movies are doing that. Yeah. It, it, oh, gosh. I, I would tell you to watch Glimmer Man and just tell me what you think of it. It's a bad movie. But him and Keenan Alvin Wayans, it, it's, it's, it's just weird. It's weird. It's like both of them trying to play the straight man and then both of them trying to play the comedian. The 90s was this funny era where they were just putting people together. Like <laughs> right. a random white person. Oh, because, like, who was it? Was Larry Fishburne? And oh, and um, one of the brothers. Fled. I know what you're talking about. Him and yeah, um, that, Stephen Baldwin. And um, Damon Wayans and Adam Sandler. Was in a movie together. Damon Wayans. Like, it was just a thing where it's like, let's just put you mean a Bruce Willis? guy and a random black guy in a movie together. What's what? Which one? Bruce Willis, you mean? Last Boy Scout? No. No. It's one with Adam. It's one with Damon Wayans. Oh, Bulletproof. Bulletproof. I know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, let's just take rant. Let's just take a... Because that's back when Damon Wayans was a movie star. Yes. It was yeah. a time when both Keenan Ivory Wayans and Damon Wayans were movie stars. At the same time. Shockingly. 90s were weird. Well, yeah. the only movie they were in it together was what? I'm going to get you soccer? I think so. Yeah. But it's just funny where, no, but, yeah, this, it's just funny watching Romeo Must Die, watching this incredibly grave. I think, you know what it is? I know, it's not just the fact, it's one. The movies that do work, who do they have in common? Jetly. Yeah. Yeah. And this one, Steven Seagal. There, there it is. If right in my face, and I didn't notice it. And here's another thing: Roman must die and Curse of the Grave are movies with predominantly black and Asian cast. You know, a whole bunch of white people in there. Like all the heavy lifting done by the Asian people and the black people. And what's this one? We get to blame white people. Yeah, Mm -hmm. this is a. This is a no for me, but if you watch it, you watch it. Um, and I'm guaranteed it's a no for Shahid. Uh, yeah. But we what, we reviewed it. I got through I mean, it. Yeah. I will say this. This movie led to um, Half Past Dead, and that's the worst version of this movie. Because that was like, let's take a different director and let's swap out DMX for Ja Rule. They both black. They both black rappers. They both bald. Oh boy! And let's have instead of having Anthony Anderson, let's have corrupted Joker. What can go wrong? A whole lot. A whole I lot. Ja, I know Ja Rule must 
be looking at Ludacris and be mad. But then again, it's kind of like Ludacris got the ball, but he's able to run with it because he had talent. Yeah. Jaru wouldn't have Talent that Jaru does not have. We're going to bring up Jaru because he's talking about, yeah, I want to do this whole IG live. We go hit the hit with 50 Cent. And I'll say this. Jaru had a lot of hits. That's all he had. Um, yeah. It's just a reverse 50 Cent where after Get Rich and Die trying, most of 50 Cent's best songs were the non-singles. Yeah, and now I think that's if if it was to happen, that's where the uh, Ja Rule problem gonna come at because after those hits, you're gonna be like, okay, and Fifty can keep going because it's. And not, and not only that, how many Ja Rule songs you actually still listen to now? Not one. We talking about like like it's not a Ja Rule was the Ja Rule was, was the man. He was a star, but his stuff was like a specific time era, very specific. Oh yeah, and. It's hard to listen to Ja Rule and not think about how 50 Cent talked about him. Like, I can't separate the two anymore. Well, they're growling, growling. You say growling the whole like a cookie monster. <laughs> <laughs> that line, like, ooh. He's, I'm like, you're talking about career get murdered. Ja Rule career got murdered. Yeah, he, he, like, he couldn't bounce back. God, torch, and he never bounced back. Sometimes it's like that. See, Rick Ross was able to bounce Rick Ross. Brushed it off, kept on moving. Like when Jay Z and Nas did their thing, Nas ended up Nas ended up coming off better. Like he ended up coming like whoever you say the winner is, Nas didn't lose. Yeah, I don't think nobody nobody won and nobody lost that one. That was just kind of like it was what yeah. it was. No, nobody lost that one, but I think Nas came off better at the end than Jay Z did. Like Jay Z was slightly diminished. Because the whole thing is kind of like he could have he couldn't squash Nas, and he had to try to play, and then he tried to play dirty where his mom had to come like, all right, you get a little too personal, cut that shit out. Yeah. So even though he knew he fucked up doing that, so yeah. But sometimes, but no, but yeah, that's yeah this movie. But I don't want to wrap up with that one. I want to wrap. You know what I was thinking about with DMX? You talking about albums? You know what DMX is? What's that? DMX is if Allen Iverson is Allen Iverson with like four rings. If you take Allen Iverson's career and you give like two or three rings and another MVP, that's DMX. Yeah, I can see that. I definitely as far can see as like MX because we talked about like how his out like because around two thousand one is probably like the peak peak. As far as like, I don't know if it's like skill of music, but as far as like, you know, cultural impact and popularity. Yeah, he was still that dude. This is the this time. This is like I'm at I'm way at the top because I was thinking about that when I came out Jay Z. We can write what this. You know, Jay Z is like Triple H, where he was hot for a long time, but he wasn't really on really really on top for that long. And most of it came is like when people died, people left. Because when he started, Biggie Small, Tupac, and then you put Snoop Dogg above him. Then they both died. Puff had it for a little bit. Then DMX had it for like, what, four years, five years, and then DMX falls off. By the time DMX falls off, Eminem and Nelly's there. 
and then you had 50 Cent, then after 50 Cent you had Kanye, and then after Kanye you, you had Drake. When those, when during those times, like Jay Z was like, yeah, I'm the top. I'm I mean, the top, most I, that's rapper there. I it mean, he like did. Bits and, like it might have been like a time here and there. It was never extended. But I think the the impact that he had as far as because the albums that he had and how his peers looked at him, especially around that time, around that era. I'm gonna say around the time of uh the Hard Knock Life to the Black Album, he was always looked at as nah Jay Z to do like no, irregardless of what was going on. Never, no, Jay Z was no. We looked at Jay Z to do, but Jay Z was never on top. Like when you say album, top, are you just talking about charts, or are you just talking about? No, I'm talking about everything. It says a lot that his first like number one hit was like um, New York State of Mind. Think about that. Think about how many albums he had out. Think about how many hits he had. And his first like big one, where like everybody was like playing like that, was that one off the Blueprint Three. It wasn't Hard Knock Life. I thought that one was the one that. No. Oh, okay. No, Hard Knock Life. Hard Knock Life brought him up to like a whole okay, I'm top level. But he wasn't at the top. Because DMX was there. I don't know. I I I I'm subject to disagree with that. But I think DMX that's DMX at his prime was DMX at his prime was always above Jay Z because DMX at his prime was above everybody. Not that. And that's the thing. I'm that's like, not what I'm disputing. I'm disputing about just basically putting him in that Triple H category. I, I I see what you're saying, but I don't know if that's true. Like because because. I can, we always when, did, when was Triple H, H ever looked at as the best wrestler? He might have been like the best heel before he H, got hurt. Like it was times, no, it was time when the internet was treating like Triple H like the best wrestler on the planet, like that. But when was Triple H ever considered like the biggest star? What would everybody left? I mean, yeah, I mean, who was it? Him and I've been yeah. during that time with him and Foley. So I guess I was two thousand, two thousand one. Rock was bigger than him. That's the whole point. I mean, Rock yeah, was bigger than everybody. Like, that's my and that's my point with Jay Z. Yeah, no, no matter how high Triple H got, Stone first Undertaker was bigger. Then Stone Cold was, and then when Stone Cold left, The Rock was, and then both Stone Cold and The Rock left, and then it was Triple H. But then like Brock Lesnar was, Brock Lesnar was bigger, and yeah. then when Brock Lesnar left. John Cena and Batista was both bigger. So it was never it was never a time where it's like extended period of time, like no matter how much you try to push Triple H being the man, where it's like, yeah, he's the the biggest star in wrestling. He might he might have had for like bits and pieces here. Jay Z had it for like maybe a summer. He had been bits and pieces here, but like he might have been like the top one as far as people arguing on like Double XL magazine the source. But like everybody? No. I don't know, that's that's if you really look at his career and you look at the people that was hot around the same time and you look at how people just trust me, it's the reason why Nelly was in movies. I know that that what I'm saying is when you start putting it down as far as record sales, numbers and albums, I, I'm I'm a hundred percent with you on that. And you know, because like you said, you can look at Nelly, you can look at DMX, you can look at Eminem. Not arguing that. That's fine. I'm just thinking about because it it's just so different, and it is different and the same skill. in hip hop. No, you looking at you looking at from skill standpoint. That's a whole different argument. 
that's nah, that's, 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 that's not what I'm looking at. I'm, I'm saying, that's that's. I'm not saying who was considered the best. I'm I'm saying who's considered the biggest. Who's considered like the top? I get what you. I I honestly get what you're saying. I'm I'm there with you. I just feel like that. I felt like, and maybe I'm just thinking, maybe Jay-Z, when I'm thinking is Jay-Z was in spurts. Because, you know, he had, okay, Hard Knock Life, he was hot. Uh, then he had, you know, I'm thinking. You know, There's a whole thing. It's a lot of times where Jay-Z was hot. And a lot of times where Jay-Z was super hot. But all those times, it was always somebody that was hotter. Like, overall. Like, Jay-Z was, here's the thing about Jay-Z, people don't realize Jay-Z a long time was looked at real regional. Hard volume two hard like was the first time he looked at kind of like it starts spreading out. Big pimpin' spread it out some more. But as far as like this whole universal everybody like Jay-Z, no. That was volume three. We just don't think about it because like, oh, we play Jay-Z videos all the time. So we all like it. I'm like, we played a lot of people's videos all the time. It's Jay-Z. You just Jay Z was just Jay Z was more popular than Nas, and Jay Z was probably like the most popular like big time lyricist. So we look at him at the top. I'm like, you look overall. It's time like Outkast blowing Jay Z out the water as far as popularity, or Nelly, certainly Eminem and Fifty Cent. They were just bigger. They were, they, I'm not saying they were better. I'm saying they were bigger stars. Okay. I'm not gonna, you know, guys. If we real, if we real honest about ourselves, Jay Z, Jay Z was always around, and Jay Z was always looked at like a top thing, but it was Jay Z was never looked at extended times like the biggest star in rap. He might have had spurts here and there when somebody fell off, so somebody else came. Okay. Listen, it's nothing wrong with it, and I understand your argument exactly. I just feel like I need to sit down and think about it a lot more, because like you just brought it up, and I I'm have. and I haven't. Yeah, you've sprung. I thought about it because I was thinking about it because people was asking about how big was DMX really, and I'm like, DMX was Steve Austin. DMX was the top star when we had a when we had a whole bunch of stars. A whole bunch of stars. DMX. That's that's it's funny where because it's different now where Jay Z still drops stuff and you can like it. DMX since basically two thousand three was basically done. It's that's seventeen years ago. DMX still alive. DMX now is treated like a you know a punchline. Oh, he always get locked up. You see him in top five. You know, yeah, dog. I'm always in here. Like a sad thing about DMX. Like it's, we look at DMX now like a sadder version of how we look at Allen Iverson. Yeah, that's fair. That's definitely like, fair. You no, know, like it's like oh, DMX fell off. Like DMX fell off and he didn't die. Yeah, he didn't die. That's, so that's like the now, one good like thing. A, like a lot of times we look at the punchline to joke and depend on your age. Like it, you gotta be a certain age. Remember when DMX was a star? Like yeah, two thousand three is a long time ago. It's seventeen years. Right. A lot of things changed in 17 years. JC's still around doing stuff. So it's like, oh, you still see Tove. He may not be with you. He's still in your memory. Nah, lesser extent, did he still do music? You didn't really catch anything like that. DMX, when the last time you talk about DMX musically? 
Nobody. Not a long time. It's been a long time since we talked about DMX musically. And, we, and if we talk about it, we're talking about what he did used to do. So, I mean, shit happens. You know, like, like I said, man, the one thing about DMX is he's still alive. Because so, we could have had one of those tragic stories that seemed to come up with artists and people like that. So, um, I'd rather be alive washed up than a dead legend. There you go. So 2003, next week. That brings up bring us to the last DMX movie we will be doing, Cradle to the Grave. Jet Li, back at it again. The same, pretty much the entire same cast <laughs> that we've been watching the last it's two funny. films. The people he likes, he like because it's kind of like it's bringing back Jet Li. You know, bringing back DB Woodside from the first one. So basically, what all they did is they swapped out. So. You swap out Leah for Gabrielle Union. You bring Dragon back. You bring Tom Arnold back. And then you swap out Russell Wong for Mark DeCastos. And you give him a and you give him his own woman's sidekick. Yeah. Um That's it. This is the movie. This is the movie that I've watched oh, numerous times. Chai McBride. Whew. Yeah, I can't wait till we talk about him. But also, too, now we have to decide because this is going to be very hard. Now, we know we got the Patreon going on, but after next week. So I put a poll up a couple of weeks ago about which Tyler Perry movie we were going to be doing. And how I knew it was going to happen, I had a feeling that it was going to end up being a tie. Now, we have Acrimony and we have um, the Marriage Counselor, uh, Temptation. They ended up being in a tie. So, are we going to take it to uh, Twitter or are we just going to flip a coin? Now, personally, my wife said you should do acrimony because I think it's, she said it's more conversational, conversational in that movie. You get more conversations out of that than just this batshit crazy <laughs> temptation movie. But I said, yeah, I think you get some good conversations out of temptation, even though I don't like the movie personally. So, I don't know. Okay, we can go with acrimony. Yeah, I mean, I mean, they both crazy. They both crazy in different ways, but it's just kind of like acrimony is just just Taraji Henson just going all the way. <laughs> it's like she in a completely different movie than everybody else. She was and it's like she just blows everybody. She just acrimony is kind of like it's her movie. Rick Flair said it was like. No, Rick Flair was talking about his match with Shawn Michaels is kind of like, you know, he was wrestling with himself like the first 15, 20 minutes. Yeah. It's like, when you're real good, like, you don't, you're like, I'm just going to wrestle my, you know, wrestling with a broomstick. It's like, I, I do what I say. I'm going to make us look good. You got to worry about it. That's how Taraji Henson was in that movie. Where it's like, and I've noticed that with certain movies. And especially with black no, not just like Tyler Perry movies. Sometimes the cast is real in uh, with his movies. Yeah. Like, you have like people who can really act and people who just pretty. And it is real. And when it's noticeable, it's real noticeable. And, you know, the first movie I noticed that, and it's not a Tyler Perry movie. You ever see, um, what was it? The movie, um, Daddy's Girls. No, Clerks 2? Yeah. 
I watch all Kevin Smith movies. Yeah, yeah so I've seen it. Rosario, Rosario Dawson is, when you see her in, in a movie with a bunch of non-actors, you realize how good actors are. Ah. real noticeable, like. Glad you said that. He is and how unskilled almost everybody else is. Because you know why? Because all of those people in that movie are actors, but they've all acted in only Kevin Smith movies. But when you get an actress, and I'm talking about her stature, yeah, because I, you know, it took me a while to notice that myself. I, because I used to always watch Clerks too, and I'm like, oh yeah, she's really like, <laughs> come here to act, and everybody else is trying to keep up. Yeah, and that's the first time I know. It's not start like when I saw um, both when I saw the sequel to Three Hundred and the sequel to Sin City, Evergreen both times. I'm like, yeah, she's in a way different level than everybody else she with. Right. It's kind of like it's sometimes where that's why I'm like Unbound had to be uncomfortable. Where it's like that's that's why Michael Bay movies work because he can have a whole bunch of great actors. So it's never where it's like it's just so the only person might stand out is like if the lead isn't good enough, they'll stand out. But everybody else is like, yeah, I got enough character actors where it's grounded. You cannot. And that's the thing with Tyler Perry movies. He'll have like, you know, it's hard if you have like a Ruby Goldberg or Felicia Rashad or like Ruby D or Cicely Tyson with some no name. Yeah. I mean, you even saw that. Yeah, I, work, I was on TBS. I was on the TBS show. Like, nah, that's. It's gonna be noticeable. You saw that in the um the Tyler Perry t- Netflix movie, like you saw Felicia Rashad and everybody else, and it was like, oh, okay. Yeah, like Temptation is it's the reverse where everybody's like on the same level except for Kim Kardashian. Oh boy. You know, I'm going to be fair. I'm, I'm going to take that to Twitter. Now, whatever Twitter decide, I'm going to keep it up for like seven days. Whatever they say, that's just to be the fucking movie we do. I was just, I'm just trying to wonder what was in Tyler Perry head cast there because he had to know. He knew, but I'm pretty sure he was like, you, she's very polarizing. You know, like just when she pops up anywhere, it's just whole, like you can't not take away the bag. Like you can't pretend that's an ex. You know exactly who that is. You know exactly what she represents. He was and, look. He was looking for a certain type of people to come to the movie, and they won't black. There were white people who enjoy her. No, 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 no. Here's the thing. That's white. How white people look at her is a lot different from how black people look at her. And most of her fans, I would say this, you be, uh, do not look like her. They look like us. I, th- there's some truth to that. Yeah. Um, I, I, I am definitely telling you. Look at, who, look at who she dates. Right. Look at who her family dates. And look how white people look at her. And look how black men look at her. Yeah. Yeah. Tyler Perry was Tyler Perry put him in the movie because he wanted white people to come see his movies. He know he knows how to do that. He put Larry the Cable guy in his movies. Tyler Perry is many things. He ain't dumb. Like keep in mind, like he's had white people in his movies. What's the movie with um Denise Richards and who was that? With the witness protection, it was like Denise Richards and somebody and um, somebody else. I, I can't think of the white guy that was in there. But no, Tyler Perry. 
Tyler Perry pop white people in his movies from time to time. I'm oh, yeah, that's true. Laugh at the one the Larry the Cable guy. I've never watched that shit. <sighs> oh, I saw that. Yeah, I used to watch all of his until a certain part, and then I stopped, and then I'll start watching stuff again. Um, but no, yeah, we could, they just different movies. Yeah, they that's one thing. They are different movies, and um, yeah, we'll see what happens. Maybe we'll just put one of them on the one Patreon. Is, <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah. it's kind of like you know, don't let lust take you off the beaten path, or you'll get AIDS. <laughs> <laughs> It's so real heavy-handed. Like just, it's almost like a reverse of the whole. Oh, no! Oh. Did a good no. This good woman all boring, so you get the bad bitch to spend your money. It's like the reverse. Like you got this nice old handsome pharmacist that's boring, and you got the bad boy. And now look at you know. You know the one thing I will say about the movie is, um, old girl. Uh, what's her name? Uh, juicy sister. Juicy sister went there. She, 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 good or bad, she, she went there. She's a good actress. Yeah. She's, she's better than her brother. Oh, absolutely. Juicy need to uh, step his game up. And it's funny where I didn't realize him, that was, that was, I always look at him as, you know, her brother, not her as his sister. Mm. I mean, because she started first and she had a better career. Like he did power and what else? I mean, he did empire. What else? I don't know. That's all yeah. I know is empire. Like I didn't notice. I didn't notice she was in. Um, what did I watch? Uh, I did watch something else this week. I watched Gridiron Gang, and I, I was like, oh shit! I didn't know she was in here, and she was in there. Yeah, The Rock. Yeah, Gridiron Gang is a movie I show when people think The Rock just plays the same role. Everyone like, no. You only say that if you stop. If you start watching rock movies from like Fast Five. Oh yeah, you say silly shit like that. Like it ain't no way in the world you can watch a rock movie and that like he just plays the same role and everybody like that is. I'm no. not saying the rock's a great actor. No, I say he played the same. That's batshit crazy. Ain't no. Imagine watching Gridiron Gang, like Snitch, Faster the Two Fairy and Fast Five, and then thinking, oh, it's the same person. He played his same like, character. Not even like. <laughs> What movie is that? Doom. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He is so... He is an asshole. Doom was a hairline rock, right? Still had his hairline and everything. <laughs> it, was starting, it was starting to go. It's yeah. like hell in the hairline. Like, his hair... Game plan is where his hairline died. Ooh, because that boy was pushed back. <laughs> I don't know when we're going to do this. And again, this may be a thing. Like I said, if this Patreon pop off, a lot of things going to start being on there. But we most certainly, 
cut it out. <laughs> we most certainly have to have a month of JCVD because, as I said on Twitter this week, it's always interesting how the action stars of the 80s and 90s painted themselves and how they wanted to be portrayed. And what I noticed about John claude Van Damme is that he knows that people think he's pretty. And he's going to let it be known in every fucking movie he's in back then. And I was just jarring watching Lionheart how many times or how many times, you know, somebody was like, oh, you pretty or, oh, I don't know whether to kiss you or fuck you. I'm just like, what is happening right there? And I'm just like. I mean, because it's the thing. Him and Schwarzenegger, they were handsome men. Very, like, very, very handsome men. Like, facial-wise and physical that damn dude, what he looked like. Yeah, oh, he, he like, wanted you to know. He, 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 yeah, he, he knew. He wanted you like he put all he didn't put all that work in for nothing. <laughs> <laughs> yes, true. That's and true. That's the thing. And it's we gonna do a JCBD month. We can write with this. It's funny seeing how his career portrayed. Like he became a better actor as the physical talent went away. Almost like a wrestler. Yeah, because he knew he couldn't like, do keep doing that. What he's doing, yeah. yeah. He can't do it like he used to. He still do it. It's just different. Like it's funny because Van Dam career is kind of like three different parts. You got early Van Dam where he's hungry, like I'm doing. You know, I'm just a fish out of water. I'm trying to avoid corruption and everything like that. Like it's always I'm on the run. I was in the Foreign Legion. I work for the Merchant Marines. I always did <laughs> trying to fight for months. It's a lot of down. He was military, like blood sport. Military, Lionheart, mil- you know, ex-military. Um, the Lee, the Lee was Lionheart. a loser. Yeah, a, a whole uh, he was like military police. This whole this whole thing It's like you know I'm trying to do the right thing. I'm fighting for somebody else. Right, it's never for himself. I'm fighting for my teacher. I'm fighting for my brother. I'm fighting for my homie's family. I'm giving money to this little girl. <laughs> I'm fighting for my wife. Like it's always I'm. Fighting to help somebody else. Hard target. I'm fighting for, you know, girl, you know, find out what happened to her dad. I'm just out here fighting for the common man. Then the drugs hit. Oh, cocaine Van Damme is insane. And street Fighter, you know, that's Street Fighter, um, double team with Robin. <laughs> Boy, hell yeah. I don't I went to the movie theater to see that. To see what? Double team, the him, um, him, Rodman, and Mickey Rourke. Oh, hell no. I went to the movie here to see that. Keep in mind, Rodman was like the second most popular thing. This is like, you know, NWO era Rodman. Right. We forget how popular this Rodman is. And it's still like, it's still Van Damme. Like Van Damme had fallen off here. That was the movie here to see that. I actively spent money to and I actually like that movie. You know, that movie trash. And that movie aged like an old sandwich. I can't even remember the last time I seen that movie. And then the movie afterwards, the Lee Lorishan and Rob Snyder, where it's like they sell counterfeit jeans. Oh, uh, what's... Knockoff. Knockoff, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was like trash. That ran, that ran down the rap. So then that era, trash. Then he kind of then he went to rehab, 
he can start getting lines in his face, and then you start getting like JCVD, Expendables Two, like he started laughing at himself. Then it's like you know, I'm in on you know I can I'm comfortable enough to know I know what I used to be, I know what I am now. I can laugh at myself and be a it, you know, it's crazy how that works. It cra- it's insane how that works out for these action stars because it's like. You can see Stallone doing that now. You can see uh, Arnold do it now. Not so much Bruce Willis. He still kind of. A little bit. Because he. You watch the last Rambo movie, you know that's a lie. Wait, I'm talking about. still want to be. Stallone just. Yeah, he just. I just powerless now. I I know I'm going to ask. I'm still going to be hustling. (laughs) Hey, no way in the world you can watch The Expendables and watch Rambo and think Stallone is comfortable with aging. You only think he's comfortable with aging because you watch him in Creed. Well, I'm just saying he's he he's better at it than he has been. Watch like, Escape Plan. You tell me that. <laughs> I have watched you Escape know. Plan. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah I, I've seen this game. Like Schwarzenegger, he cool with being old because he are like I'm the man. I've I've been the man. I already know what I can do. I don't need to prove nothing anymore. I don't mind. I'm old. I don't mind looking old. I don't mind acting old. I can do small movies. I can be. Like I told you before we had this discussion, Schwarzenegger has no problem being a Stallone. Stallone would never be in a Schwarzenegger movie. Never. Yeah. His ego's too big. It's the same thing we talk about how Vin Diesel and The Rock. Rock can show up in a camp. Like, you know, Rock show up and the other guy with Sam with that. nigga's a cameo. Rock, you know, Rock will show up, just do something just to do it. Because we already know, like, I'm the, like, keep in mind, the last, you know how much money The Rock made the last two years in movies? You want to guess? Oh, close to a billion? What you think that's? No, some of how much he got salary wise. Oh, salary! I don't know. Yeah. What you think that first number start with? Mm, we going movie for movie or all together? Just for the last two years total amount salary wise. Eight. No, the first number is a two. Two. He made over two hundred two hundred million dollars. He made like shit. I didn't realize he did that he many made movies. Like almost ninety, and two years ago he made like yes, he made like one twenty four one year, and he made ninety this past year. I see. I be forget. Yeah. I be forgetting he be spitting the movies out, man. Because like no matter what you say about a uh, skyscraper and uh, uh, the other one was a Santa dress, people went to go see it because they knew what they were going to go Rampage. see. Like, yeah, Rampage. The man be getting- Fifteen to twenty million per movie plus a percentage of like profit. Yeah, he's you the like man. Million dollars like you want me to post them on Instagram? Give me two million dollars. Oh yeah, that him, man about his money. Him, him and Kevin Hart, they got that whole social media thing locked down as far as when it comes to promotion and stuff like that. Like The Rock made so much. Like Robert Downey Jr. made seventy-five million dollars for for Endgame. Seventy-five. Because he got like a percentage of the profit. You know how much that movie made. And The Rock still made more than him than he did. That's crazy. But I'll be cool with 75, though. So, <laughs> when you have that, so when you have that type of confidence, you don't worry about being a sidekick. Yeah. Vin Diesel's arrogant ass. Oh, I got to be the star. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm the star. This is my show, Rock. Yeah. You know, Painting my series, I ain't coming to yours. I'm part of my family, I'm not part of yours. Yeah, family. They uh, hopefully that shit'll get uh, worked out by Fast Ten. Well, it's 
funny with a year gap. They can always show more stuff if they want to. Yeah. But that's the that's the one movie I'm mad that got delayed out of everything that got delayed was Fast and Furious. So I was looking for I was I was just yeah. fucking order the ticket. I, I was I, too. I to figure out how they brought Han back. I want to see John Cena doing his John Cena shit. And then, ooh, a year. A year. It ain't no telling if they get in their heads to be like, oh, maybe we should change this. I'm like, oh, fuck. <laughs> oh, shit. Nah, I, I figure it's, I figure the filming part's done. You know, yeah, it's probably working done. on special effects. You could always add more stuff. Add like a, a cut scene and here and there. You can't do nothing now. I'm not filming anything now. Yeah. So, well, yeah. Next week, we're going to do Cradle to the Grave. Yeah, so that'll be uh yeah next week next Tuesday Cradle to the Grave. Um, hold on, let me see if it's streaming somewhere so you good folks can. Let's see. No, it's not. Yeah, it's not streaming nowhere. We're doing a lot of movies that people got to pay for to watch. Now. That's a mistake. We'll get better with that. But anyway, yeah. Until next week, we are out of here. Peace. <laughs>